This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that never doubted Jorginho. <coughs> Cough. Uh, Chelsea, of course, somewhat hung on uh, to beat a determined Fulham, playing in their cup final and benefiting from the much-feared manager bounce. But the three points for Chelsea added to a draw in the North London derby mean that Chelsea's hopes of finishing in the top four have improved significantly. Uh, And after a week where we were not hammered by City, beat and outplayed bitter rival Spurs and scored our first away goals of the year and picked up three points against Fulham, can we genuinely say that Sarri has now turned a corner? Uh, Doubts remain about the defensive vulnerability of his system and the small core of players he uses who look absolutely knackered, all the more reason to be concerned that he just doesn't give enough minutes to the likes of Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Callum Hudson-Odoi then. Ho-hum, such are the troubles that a Chelsea supporter has to endure. But hey, at least Jorginho stuck one in the onion bag. And if Jorginho can score, well, then anything can happen. And it probably will. Uh, Right, good to be uh, here. And we've all been uh, variously ill all week. And by the way, the title of uh, tonight's show is The Chelsea Fancast, number 453, Frayed Nerves. (coughs) I'll say it again, Frayed Nerves. It's quite clever. You'll have to work it out yourselves. Jonathan, my friend, uh, we missed you on Friday, me and Clayton, on the Love Sports Show. Are you fighting fit tonight? I think so. I'm, I've got a bit more energy, and uh, um, people can tell me if I need to be more energetic and speak up and uh, all those other things that uh, they said um, last week um, about me being a bit uh, um, uh, under-energised, I think it was, as well as they just couldn't hear me anyway. Um, but yeah, let's see. Let's see what happens. Well, when you when you speak close to the mic, you're very audible tonight, so that's good. You're hitting the peak uh, metre le- uh, level, which is what we want, so good for you. Uh, and uh, we've also got somebody who never has a, a problem with her uh, energy or her 
you know, audio levels. It's apart from when she didn't have a nice uh, new Skype headset, which Uncle Chidge bought her. It's the lovely girl who likes balls, Ms. Alexandra Churchill. Word. Word. How are you? You barely alive? Uh, yeah, I can't decide how much of mine it seems to be the same flu bug that JK's got and how much is alcohol-induced and completely the fault of all the Americans that have been over in the last week. Yes, uh, I, I, th- I do fear that Brian from the Chicago Blues has somewhat led you astray uh, in the last week, Alex, hasn't he? Uh, it, yeah, he's a terrible influence, um, but then... Chelsea, uh, Dallas, Shed End aren't innocent, neither are San Francisco um, or New York. So you're all fiends and I've drunk a month's worth of alcohol in four days. Mm. Are they all over at the same time? Is everybody yeah, I think it was a really good run of fixtures for the Americans because they could do a week over here and potentially get the cup final Fulham and Spurs. So it was a... A week they made it generally made a beeline for because they could get one or two really good games. Excellent stuff. Right now, uh, lots to talk about tonight. You will not be surprised to hear because of that very reason that Alex is pointing out. Now, on the show tonight, we uh, applaud Kepa's man of the match comeback. We question Chelsea's defensive fragility and we ponder Sarri's dichotomy with defending and attacking. In part two, we check that we're not hallucinating when we saw Jorginho score. We applaud a proper striker's goal with Higuain opening up the scoring. Ponder why Sarri won't give the youth more game time uh, when he has a squad full of knackered players. And breathe again as Chelsea look to be in a better position to finish in the top four. But how difficult will it be? We look at the comparative run-ins for Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs and United to see how it might all pan out. And uh, in part three, we look back at a great and ever so funny... I'm trying to say this without laughing. It's not easy. I'll say it again. In part three, we look back at a great (laughs) and ever so funny 2-0 defeat of Spurs last Wednesday. And we look ahead to this Thursday's Europa Cup tie against Dinamo Kiev. And in part four, Jonathan, we have four absolutely superb banging emails to read out you have surpassed yourselves this week you should give yourselves a round of applause now um do not forget of course you can listen to the show live every monday at seven o'clock of the evening by going to mixler which is mixlr.com forward slash chelsea hyphen fancast where you can of course join in the chat room uh, and post all sorts of stuff on there many people do it's great to see so many people in there as we always have uh, you can also tweet us at Chelsea Fancast anytime you like. Talk about Chelsea, whatever's on your mind. Get it off your chest. You know what to do. And uh, talking of Mixler, uh, we have in the house, we have Rob Coombe, Jabba Crackers, great name that, Bert Stoltz, Kurt, Sean B, Sevman26, the absolutely delightful, wonderful Mr. Paul Crowder, who, as he says in Mixler, uh, I had the delight of going, I had a ruby with him and some other very noteworthy Chelsea faces a couple of weeks ago when he was over. If she don't come, Praj, Jean-Paul Guevara, Happy Bird, Hazardous 17, there are loads of you in there. So lovely to see you there. Now, before we go on to the uh, the next bit of the show, I just want to say, not just on a personal note, but I, I'm sure a collective note, um, a very, 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 very happy birthday to the wonderful Paul King Canners Canneville, whose birthday it is today. And as you know, Paul is a great friend of ours, great friend of the show. Um, Out of all of the ex-players that we've had on the show, Paul has been on the most to the extent I would absolutely consider him more than one of us. So, uh, Paul, wherever you happen to be, I hope you're having a very large brandy and uh, enjoying your special day.
Right. Um, of course, you know, all week it was... I mean, wherever you bloody went, Kepa this, Kepa that, Kepa the other, blah, 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 bloody Kepa, Kepa that. But, uh, you know, no surprise, really. Uh, Sarri picked him uh, for Fulham uh, on Sunday. And, uh, Jonathan, I, I, I would venture to say that apart from his little... Uh, calamity uh, where he dropped the ball and Babel, if he'd have realised, could have capitalised. I think he was the man of the match. Uh, but on the other hand, it kind of tells its own story, doesn't it? Um, yes, they, they came into it enormously in the uh, in the last 30 minutes, I think, as Sarri said. Um, for the first 60 minutes, we were excellent. If I, I was actually sitting at the, uh, the Hammersmith <coughs> end with, with my Fulham friends and um, uh, and they turned to me and said, my goodness, your team are fantastic. And uh, they're completely out, out past and on a different skill level. And that's how it was for the first 60 minutes. But then, other than the goal, of course, their, their goal, which was a bizarre disappearance of, uh, of anybody uh, marking the back post, which I was bemused by. But um, it, it got... It, it, Fulham were... And that dreadful had that dreadful thing that um, I remember Stoke having when they just came up, which is that they'd win a corner. Sorry, what I'm talking about. They'd win a, a, a throw-in and become ecstatic about having won a throw-in. That's the level that they, we were dealing with of their lack of achievement recently. And they were saying to me that um, Ranieri would never play Sessignon uh, uh, and um, uh, who's their, their captain? Um, Kenny. Yeah, wouldn't play him either. Um, and he was then playing him on the left and not in the centre. And what Parker did was to play Sessignon from the beginning and put um, uh, Kearney right, uh, Carney right in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the midfield, where he'd been successful playing for them before. So he's already had an, had an effect. And as you say, it was the usual cup final for them. Um, so where I was sitting, they were they were in a complete and utter state that they were actually playing so much better than they had been. Um, and so. Uh, um, and as I kept saying, it was their cup final, which they didn't like very much. They said, "No, no, no we you know we play the same. Whoever comes, we play well. Better, you know, we play well. We go well." No, I think it's because we're your your neighbours, and the amount of abuse for everybody was just uh, uh, ultimately ridiculously annoying. He said to me, "There were two Irish blokes behind him." He said, "You never ever, never ever got animated at all, and they couldn't stop swearing at, at Chelsea all the way through the game." But um, yeah, the uh, um, the first. Um, uh, Kepa, Kepa came into his own, particularly in the last 30 minutes, where they seem to have the, the tactic that we can't deal with of just booting the ball down the pitch and running after it, which is what United did a lot, um, because we're so far up. Um, and I've noticed a, a lot of people in uh, on Twitter um, going back to the, uh, the their default setup, which is that they think Sarri is the fag-eating tramp and should go and has no idea, and the football is the worst they've ever seen, and what's he doing with the youth? And uh, and I think what uh, what we should actually look at is that that we appear to be getting better at playing well for longer periods, but we're still we're still very likely to then just lose energy or lose something for for the last half hour or the last as it's been in the before it's been for forty five minutes or the second half or whatever. So we're we're playing better for longer, but we then just seem to lose it and. Uh, I don't know what he's going to do about that. I don't well, think that means means he needs to be given the push. I still don't think we've gone back to where we were. But I know, all right, we did. You know, we're, we've gone up to, to possibly being in the battle for, for being in the top four again. But um, 
I don't think he, it, it, we should then have this knee-jerk reaction of wanting to sack him again, which is what everybody's doing on Twitter again. Which well, yeah, but Twitter's bonkers, mate, isn't it? There's no point taking well, any notice of it at there all. Are some, there are some people on it who are quite... Um, uh, you know, I've got time for who are saying that they should he should be sacked uh, and he's used. It's the big thing. What they keep talking about is that he's a fraud. He's a fraud, and he somehow managed to actually dupe everybody into becoming a manager, a top class manager, which I don't get at all. But this is the word that is used a lot by people. Hmm. Um, Alex, uh, talking about Kepa, who, who you know. I, I, it's interesting, a mate of mine, the guy I do the, the Sunday show uh, with at Love Sport, Chris Dealey, he writes for 90minute.com 90, uh, 90 or something like that. Anyway, uh, he wrote a blog about Kepa, which was fascinating and really saying that, look, you know, Chelsea know that he's not the finished article. But he, they bought a young player because they think he has the potential to be a world-class goalkeeper, a bit like when United bought De Gea. And... Uh, you know, he's, he is undoubtedly a good goalkeeper, but he's not there yet. He's going to be prone to the odd error. But I thought he did brilliantly, actually, because he really did keep us in the match. I'm just kind of wondering, in hindsight, do you think that the Keppergate uh, issue was dealt with uh, well in hindsight now? No, not particularly. Why not? Um, it, mixed messages, I think. We went around telling everybody it was fine and it was no big deal and it was all a misunderstanding and then you went and dropped him. I don't think anyone disagrees with him being dropped now that we did beat Spurs, but before kickoff there was some raging um, going on about paying the uh, number two keeper in such a big fixture. Um, but he's done now. Well, Willie did all right against Spurs, didn't he? <clears throat> yeah, he did. He did really well. And I think for that reason, it just is... Chelsea got away with it a bit because it was I a agree. bit faff the bit way of they gamble, dealt with really, it. Wasn't it. Yeah, it was, and you know he's taken his medicine now. And Sarri says he's not going to just keep bludgeoning with him. He's he's learnt his lesson and let's get on with it now. But do you remember we were sitting in the Love Sports studio talking about who was going to start a mutiny at the cup final, and none of us guessed Kepa. <laughs> I think the True. two biggest guesses were Day uh, Louise and yeah. uh, Hazard. If anyone was going to kick off and go rogue, and it turned out to be this baby-faced little ninja in the goal mm, interesting stuff i mean the other thing i think that about kepa I, I, there's some horribly stupid stats going around uh, and f- funny enough uh, glide like bogus just given me the perfect opportunity with his wonderful post saying he's let in easy goals well maybe but uh, i think you also need to look at the defense uh you know because look we defend as a team but uh, the goalkeeper is usually only as good as the defense and uh and yes, uh, you know, yesterday that was the main worry. Uh, I mean, we went up a goal, uh, up a goal with Higuain quite, you know, early on, which is great. And then, you know, I mean, it's actually quite funny because I was doing the show whilst trying to watch the game, which is not very easy. And I was just about to say, and Chelsea are doing quite well. They're one nil up, and then suddenly Chris opposite me laughed because uh, Fulham had equalised. Uh, I mean, you know, I just had no idea we were going to concede the goal, but. Uh, Set pieces are a problem. The thing I wonder, Jonathan, they clearly mark zonally. I had an argument with Chris about this. He said it's not zonal marking that's the problem. He said it's their inability to play it. But I'm not so sure. But maybe it's because I'm old-fashioned. I'm a great believer in going man for man. And if you do go man for man, you don't get caught out like we did by Chambers yesterday, do we? No, well, obviously not. I mean, it's the same. It seems to be the same problem. There's always a man spare at the back who doesn't seem to be marked and I was looking at it on the box and the two um uh two people seem one person seemed to be just standing I think it was Emerson standing on nobody at all so 
how does that happen with professional players? How are they not looking for somebody behind? I don't, I don't really don't get that at all. I mean, that was an absolutely dreadful goal to concede. Also, considering we were completely all over them. Um, and it gave them, I mean, luckily we responded in three minutes, didn't we? We got the goal in three minutes. But uh, um, they seem to not have that, that final player um, because it was Alonso before against uh, City, wasn't it? Who went into the centre? They, they in the first goal there. They don't seem to have that worked out. I don't know what what you do for that, unless you know uh, JT would never have let that happen because he'd have been saying, "Look, that man's unmarked." They don't appear to be have anybody who actually seems to be pointing out whether the the pattern, the, the you know, the map that they're working to is uh, is working. Um, so I'm I'm bemused because lots of the time stuff that they did work very well. They still, still, you know, lots of the defending was, was excellent, other than Rudiger's giving the ball away, um, uh, passing to one of them. Um, yeah, when was that? The beginning of the, in the first half, which it's that thing of giving the ball away in very vulnerable positions is the problem. Yeah. But I, 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 um, I, no, I find it, uh, I find it bewildering. I do, I do wonder whether it, I think there's, there's a good point, actually, you know, if you're going to play zonal, marking for set pieces then you do need to have a really good organizer at the back which is either a jt like central defender or you or the keeper or or both and i and i, I just think we've looked really really vulnerable to, to set pieces but alex that's not the only thing is it i mean you know the number of times we would lose possession because fulham it has to be said actually i mean i had a horrible feeling they were going to turn up yesterday you know like we were saying it's their cup final uh, but of course the manager bounce nearly always results in in the team turning up um and it wasn't just the set pieces. I mean, they they actually had loads of chances in the second half. Well, I'd say after about 60 minutes. But a lot of them come from us losing possession on the edge of the box, of, of their box. Uh, and then they like, you know, it doesn't it only seems to take like a long ball or, or a nippy winger like like Sessegnon, I thought, scared the hell out of our back line. And we look we look vulnerable, don't we? I mean, actually, that's a good point, Alex. Was the, I, I was pretty sure that Sessegnon uh goal in the in the last few minutes was in fact offside and if it wasn't offside I thought it was a foul by who was it Iota or somebody no uh, it, was, uh, it was Mitrovic just pushed uh, Christensen to the floor yeah but I thought somebody handballed it as well actually you know when the ball kind of went through to Sessegnon whoever it was yeah. who put that through I think they handled it I think there were three fouls yeah and the referee only gave one of them the linesman only gave yeah. the offside I, I found that the, the, the referee and the linesman very strange with the way they worked with each other. Actually, yesterday it was uh, he missed a lot of stuff that was going on. Anyway, sorry, carry well, on. Well, I was just going to say. I mean, it, it strikes me, and this is kind of like a, an all-round kind of thingy. We, we are facing a bit of a dichotomy at the moment because clearly, as I would have expected, and as I would have uh, embraced. You know, you, you're not going to go and play against Fulham away like you played against City in the Caribou Cup final and Spurs. Uh, on on uh, on Wednesday, in other words, you know, defend quite deep and hit him on the break. You know, I could I could absolutely understand why he was going to try and play Sarri ball or any variant of it yesterday. But the the dichotomy for me is that when we do play Sarri ball, we we look a lot more threatening. I mean, like yesterday, we had seven shots on target, uh, whereas against Spurs we had one, and the City we had none. So we we're far more threatening, but we're also far more open and defensively vulnerable. But when we yeah. don't play Sarri ball which means we defend deeper, we're very much more defensively solid, but we're toothless up front and don't create anything. I mean, how on earth does he, you know, square that circle, as it were? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a very good point. Um, 
guess because you wouldn't be playing the defensive uh, game against um, against Fulham, and of course they put nobody on Jorginho, which uh, yeah, that he had free reign. Yeah, um, good game. Yeah, he had a very good game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I hope convinced the doubters that you know he is capable of doing it, but he's capable of doing it when he hasn't got the pressure. Um, but I, I really thought that the the first half in particular, we we were fantastic, and um, uh, other than once again the slip and uh, and Higuain was beginning to look, you know, the, um, the the real deal actually. So the uh, the goal was great. Um, yeah. But, um, have you got any any idea what we can do to make that work? Because I don't. Alex, let's apply your mighty brain to it. I mean, how do you make this work? I think, well, this is it, isn't it? This is, you know, when we've been talking about how he, need, he needs time and potentially needs a whole season. We've we've gone one way and lost. And now we've gone the other way. And he's accepted that like his players were right when they asked him to, to defend deeper, to make themselves more comfortable. Um, and now it's getting the balance between the two is what he's got to do next. Well, perhaps he has to change it when um, when they becoming in after the hour when he did the substitutions and they then seem to lose the plot. Yeah, um, potentially. I mean, he tended. I mean, we do laugh or we have been laughing at his substitutions because they were so predictable. But do we now have the problem that the ones he's making, um, they're not used to what we then end up with on the pitch and it's not as well known to them, which is why they look a bit headless mm. chicken like when he makes those substitutions. One of them, um, Kovacic, has been playing it all the time, hasn't he? He's been normally playing from the beginning. I mean, he's in and out as a substitute, but no, so it shouldn't be. They're not, they're not, un- they don't not know the plan. Mm. Um, it just, um, whether they're knackered, the other thing I think... I agree with that. Yeah, you know, they definitely. The, uh, I don't think he's rotated enough. But then, but then we get to the, the business of should he have played? Um, well, I mean, we'll I get into my... that. We'll get into that later, mate. Let's let's focus on what can he do? Because I mean, do you know what really strikes me as fascinating? And that's, in a sense, you know, the the latter half of the dichotomy, which is if we're solid defensively, we end up not being able to create anything, is is a problem I think we've had for a long time. Apart from when we were able to hit people on the counter. But you're not going to hit shit teams on the counter because they're going to part the bus anyway. So actually what you ended up doing was relying on individual brilliance by usually hazard. And I think this this becomes an even bigger problem uh, when we don't have a brilliant individual like hazard or hazards off form or he's knackered like he was yesterday. I really I really don't know the answer. I, I need to go off and do my UA for uh, a badges. I looked up this week, I looked up the FA, I was thinking perhaps I ought to do a couple of coaching just to have an idea of what's going on and see if I can uh, attend. You can do them on Saturdays in June. I believe you can, you, so there we you go. You want to join me, 185 quid. Well, that's not for UA for A, mate, they're really expensive. No, they're FA, we, we have to start off low. You, know? you do. We can then teach seven-year-old kids, that'd be fantastic. Um, I actually think one thing that is a plus for Sarri, which uh, nobody, nobody's talked about, is... We are we play we don't play narrow anymore. We play really wide because we're always going via. Um, uh, if Dave can get there, we've always got somebody ab- absolutely on the touchline. So now the dilemma is is whether they cre- cross the ball well enough, which they did. They you rely heavily. We're going to get onto this in a minute. I know you rely heavily on the centre forward being absolutely on the ball, and and he's getting there. Higuain is getting there. And he himself, Sarri, said he thought he was two weeks off being being the fittest he could be. But um, he, he should have scored four in the first half, Higuain. He should have scored. He, he really should have. He had a couple of lucky saves. And that one he he blasted over when he got into the position just to the uh, 
to the right of the goal was um, was a, a, you know I'm, I can't believe he missed it actually because it would have the game would have been put to bed. We wouldn't be having the. Have you noticed how the ones he does miss and the ones where he's got time to think are the ones where he gets touches? The ones he's been putting away, yeah, the ones that are just instinct. But I think he's taking too many touches. <laughs> I think you know going back to the the point we were making. You know, yeah, yeah. The, the only other thing I would, would, would add, actually, to be fair, there's a few people on Mixler who have been saying this, but, um, you know, you should be able to play both styles, actually. You should be able to defend deep when you need to and, and actually have bodies up front when you're attacking uh, without losing the ball and then getting hit on the break and being as vulnerable as we clearly look whenever that does happen. But I, I wonder also, you know, creatively, I still think, uh, and I think you've been saying this actually all season, Jonathan, to be fair, I don't think we move enough. We're too static, you know, and I don't think that that, ha- that I think particularly that that doesn't help Jorginho. Anyway, we're going to talk much more about this because I can tell, I can tell that Alex and Jonathan are so excited to be getting into part two and all the wonderfully interesting topics therein that they can't hold themselves. So rather than allow them to burst themselves and possibly emit a little bit of we, I'm going to go on to part two now. And in fact, actually, just to recap, we are going to be talking about... Uh, uh, the amazing, the amazing spectacle of Jorginho scoring a goal, uh, and uh, we're going to talk about Higuain. We've started to do that already. Uh, we're going to ask why Sarri uh, won't give the youth more game time, uh, especially when he's got a squad full of knackered players. And we're going to talk all about the top four and how we think that uh, Chelsea, uh, if well, whether Chelsea have got a chance of getting in there. I certainly think we do, but uh, it'll be interesting to see and compare what the run-in is like for all of the main four teams who are competing for those spots. We'll see you in a second. place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back, I'm Stamford Chidge and uh, you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast with uh, three very ill people who are manfully putting it in for the team tonight, I have to say. And well done, Jonathan and Alex, and even me for doing that. Uh, right, quick shout out for the website, which of course is ChelseaFancast.com. It look, looks like we've got a, a solid team, actually. It's, it, we've settled, I mean, it maybe like Sarri, it's taken a while to do this, maybe a year or three. But it looks like we've got a solid team of writers. Jonathan Ellis is writing our, or at Clitheroe, Clitheroe Blue on Twitter. Uh, he does our match reviews and match preview, previews. Uh, if I could speak English, it would help. Uh, the lovely Dean Mears, a bit of a columnist is our Dean, writes some very interesting stuff. He's written a kind of a trilogy of, uh, of, of, of articles on uh, Roman Abramovich's time and the managers during that time. We've got the lovely Alex, who we have tonight, who... Uh, of course, writes her absolutely genius-like uh, girl who likes balls articles which follow each match. Nick Stroudley comes up with a very interesting kind of more topical theme. Um, and if I've forgotten any of you, then I'm really, really sorry. But we have a really good team of people writing, so go and check it out. I never write anything, so it's safe. All right, You're not going to read any <laughs> shit on there. You, I save that for the other people that I write for. Right, enough of that. Uh, right, we're going to talk about Jorginho first because... Uh, I mean, it was just, I mean, I nearly fell off my chair. As I said, I was doing the radio show whilst I was watching the match yesterday and uh, I did nearly fall out of my chair when I saw him score. Great goal. Absolutely great goal, Alex. The boy can score. 
Although I have to say, I have to say, Alex, I know, but I have to say, Alex, he still passed the bloody ball into the net. He didn't give it a wallop, did he? <laughs> yes, no. But, but that's what made, all the, more, that. made all the more beautiful, Chich. Well, yes, I don't care how it goes in, actually, but I, he did pass it into the net. Alex, I mean, were you as stunned as I am? Well, he was directly in front of us and it was at the far end. But when you saw him bring it down, looking straight behind him, it was never in doubt. He just brought it down so calmly and hit it so well. You were like, oh, that's going in the top corner. <laughs> it, it went in. It went, And I, I kept having this problem of, of wanting to, to, to throw myself out of the chair and then realising I was in the Fulham end and I would probably be uh, assaulted. So... Uh, <laughs> you get assaulted by a Fulham fan. Assaulted by a clapper. Persistent finger wagging. No, no, no. There was a bloke uh, around the corner who'd been. Uh, all the everybody stood up like meerkats to look at him. You know, and he was he clearly a Chelsea fan. He was escorted out. So uh, no, yeah, 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 yeah. But they were they were they were up for it. They were all the fans. You see, because they were you know, they all hated Ranieri so much that. Um, uh, and Parker is, you know, a lovely alternative. Played for played for them for four years, so they were they were all up for it. They thought they were going to win. So uh, I, when they scored, it was uh, when Higuain scored the lovely first goal. That it was, I was goal. No, Jonathan, stay where you are. And the same when Jorginho just went into the net. And of course, it's so bizarre being amongst fans um, where they they're not appreciating the goal at all. In fact, they hate it. There is just complete silence. And 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 the ball was uh, the goal was such a beautiful goal. And I just thought, oh, that was absolutely lovely. Oh, I'd love to cheer it. I can't. I'll just sit here. Because I uh, like my face the way it is. I actually said, I can't believe it. I said I had to sing Come On You Whites on one occasion. But I did it in a silly comedy voice. So I think I got away with it. So, uh, Come On You Whites. <laughs> what, what were you doing in the away end? I was with my No, friend. sorry, the home end. The Get home it right. End. I was with my friend Jonathan Coy, who is... Ponsing uh, a ticket, basically. Uh, yeah, I ponsed a ticket. He's, <laughs> a, he's, a, he's an actor, and he's the solicitor in uh, Downton. And, is he really? Uh, yeah, he is, and he's, uh, he's, he's a schoolmate. And, uh, um, and I took him to the Fulham game uh, on the spare, and, uh, um, and, he's, uh, and he, he reciprocated. So um, it, was, uh, it was rather lovely when we sat there, but I had to really be on my best behaviour. But they were very nice. I told the bloke to my right that I was a Chelsea fan, and he was lovely. And he was he was um, just talking about well, how Fulham are going to get relegated. They they all know they're doomed, but they're just looking for uh, you know the better football they played when 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 they got promotion under Jakanovic. Lovely, fantastic. Um, just going back to Jorginho, um, uh, the other thing I noticed actually, J.K. I, I, like you said, they didn't actually put a man on him, which I thought was suicidal. Because let's yeah. be let's be honest, I mean one of the reasons why we had you know twenty odd attempts on goal uh, yesterday was because of course they. They're wo- they're more even more woeful at defending than we are. But I, I well the thing I noticed about Jorginho was uh, um, he he put Higuain through a little, a little lofted ball from about kind of halfway between the halfway line and the penalty area. Little lofted ball into the into the uh, penalty area almost uh, for uh, for Higuain to latch onto, and he nearly scores a cracking shot. Actually, that's a classic Napoli move because I have to be honest, I have to now admit. Uh, to all the Surrey ball Easters that I too have checked out a few YouTube clips. <laughs> Actually, it's not real. I can't really consider it research or any kind of geeky nerdiness on my behalf. It's just that you bloody proliferate it on Twitter so much that you can't flaming well avoid it. But I have seen one where it's, it's a real classic Napoli move that he kind of lost the ball over and Higuain's looking for that run. And I thought, yeah. oh, that's interesting. But the bottom line, um, you know, Alex, do you think it's... I mean, poor old Jorginho. I, I've actually felt sorry for him recently. I think he's been getting way too much stick. 
And it was a horrible moment you know, when uh, his number went up, when everybody cheered, and they they were cheering because it wasn't Barkley for Kovacic, but what it sounded like at the time was like was like yeah, sod off, Jorginho. But actually, then everybody sang his name and applauded him off the pitch, and he sort of turned around and waved at the fans as well. So <laughs> there was one awful moment where it sounded like he was just being abused off the pitch. Mm. Jonathan. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, he had a he had a fabulous game, but as as you said, it was it because as we've been saying, was it because there was nobody on him? He had so much space. It's when he has the space, it makes you realise what a, a competent player he is, and why they they decided to get rid of Fabregas because his passing ability is the same. Yeah, I um, I, I just think I think that it, it, you know, look, I, I find it really unfortunate when, um, and I think Dean Dean's made this, but I was going to make this point, but he's put it way more eloquently than I can. Uh, you lot should be doing the show, not me, actually. Anyway, Dean says, Dean Mears says, he's been getting stick because he's seen a Sarri's boy. He's been, magni- been magnificent the last few games. I think that's absolutely spot on. And I think because he's yeah. kind of more visible than Sarri in a weird way, that's why he's got the stick. But I think he is a good player. But I, I, it baffles me, really, that in a league like the Premier League, when somebody like that just isn't going to get the time on the ball that they need and has, you know, deficiencies too, he's not... He's not got any pace. He's not a great tackler, and he's not got much defensive nous. Like Fabregas, in many ways, I said this. I said this ages ago when Fabregas was still at the club. I said, if you want somebody who can't run, can't tackle, can't defend, but can thread the ball through the eye of a needle, you might as well play Fabregas. So if you treat him like Fabregas, um, you know it's fine. But this this is what baffles me is that given all of that, leaving him on his own is suicidal. Why you don't play Kante? a lot closer to him to kind of be his minder, you know, and anticipate and intercept any trouble that comes his way or help him get out of it. I don't know. Well, Rather than sticking him on the right and, and, for, and farther forward. Do that. You huh? don't, need, don't need to do that if there's nobody on him. Exactly right? that. If yeah. there's somebody on him, you start Absolutely. Playing, you play the other setup, don't you? You play the slightly defensive setup as we played against Spurs because Kante was much further back. Yeah. Kante was wonderful against Spurs. I mean, Kante's been playing out of his skin. Yeah. And I, I think this business of people saying he's in the wrong position, I, I, it doesn't seem to matter to me at the moment. He's playing so well. He could play in goal, mate. Yeah. And, but, it, but I really think that it's like a journey of adventure for them, of discovery, of seeing what, what works within the, within the Premier League. And I think even for Sarri himself, I, I think he's an obstinate old git. But at the same time, he's got patterns of play that he's trying to emulate. And there was some joyous stuff in the first half of just the ball big going back, 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 then out to the wing and then being centred, as was the goal. The goal, Higuain's goal was, a, uh, and as you said, that example of the ball being lofted over and him, he should really have just buried it. It was such a great move as well. That's a good know, save, I, to be fair, I think. The other one, yeah, yeah, it was a great mm. save. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Talking of, talking of Higuain, as we kind of were, Alex, um, I thought I was. I loved that goal he scored, Alex. It was uh, a proper, proper striker's goal. But it de- it made me it made me laugh. Can I tell you why it made me laugh? Go on. Because I was uh, um, I I'd, I'd, I'd actually done some homework for the Sunday show and I watched match of the day. And I, I mean, you know, normally if Chelsea aren't on it, I can't be asked. But I, I had to sit there and watch it, and I made notes too. Right, little swat I am. You're a loser. I know, but because like, <laughs> normally I go on there and I and I ha- and I haven't seen any of the games and I don't know what to talk about, so I thought I'd better do some homework. Anyway, Ma- uh, Michi Batshuayi scored a great goal for Palace, and it was exactly yeah. like that. Proper striker's goal, which astonished me even more. But I thought Higuain 
you know, had a good game uh, yesterday. Um, should have scored more. Agree with you on that, Jonathan. But I thought he had another two really good attempts, actually, Alex, as well. So maybe the... Bo- I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? It was Fulham and they're shit. So, I mean, you know, it's hard to judge him, really, isn't it? If they weren't shit yesterday, I think if that was not the Fulham that had been playing their way into relegation, if they'd have played like that this season, they wouldn't be anywhere near relegation. Uh yeah, I've just had an epiphany. You know, you're asking about what Sarri does next. It's yeah. interesting. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, he said, and we all laughed at him being a fruitcake at the time because we all had the hump with him, that um, actually as far as getting his message across and turning them into his players was concerned, he'd actually only worked on the first two thirds of the pitch and he hadn't <laughs> got to the final third yet. So perhaps that is going to be a miracle-like solution to um, how we press more whilst defending, because he has said himself that that's the area he hasn't even approached yet, which yeah. worries me a little bit, because, you know, scoring goals is the point. Uh, um, it's not not as easy to mock him for it as it was a week ago when you could just lump that on the pile with all the other crazy shit that's come out of his mouth. I'd love there to be a situation where next year we start winning everything and everybody all has to... Uh, to eat humble pie over it. I really would. If he's obviously still there, um, that would be fantastic. There's a chap on Chelsea TV who's probably like a little bit hiding right now. They were very anti-Sarri and Sarri out, get rid of him, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. There are still people dribbling around with that. But it's people mainly convinced that he's got it in for the the youth. Well, I I was going to go on to that, actually, but I was going to preface it by this, because we were asked, uh, this question directly, weren't we, by Yannick uh, on the on the Love Sports Show on Friday, and I, I look, I'm I'm quite agnostic really about Sarri because I'm actually generally quite agnostic about Chelsea managers now. Uh, there's no point having an emotional attachment to them because they're never there long enough, so you just end up getting a bit, you know, uh, you get abandonment syndrome. Uh, so the the fact that I am agnostic on Sarri, uh, you know, if if he if he balls it up and acts like a tit, then I want him out like I'd want anybody who did that as a Chelsea manager. But equally, if, if he makes this work and he's really successful, we play great football and we win stuff, I'm going to be chuffed because if, if, if that happens, Chelsea will be successful. And I really, all I really care about is Chelsea <laughs> being successful. I don't care who does it as long as Chelsea are successful because if they're successful, I'm happy. So that's kind of where I stand on it. But having said that, I do believe there are issues which do not endear uh, me to Sarri at the moment and as Jonathan uh, teased a minute ago one of them is is the substitutions and I think specifically at the moment really as that a- applies to the youth because his reluctance to play Hudson-Odoi and Loftus-Cheek really worries me because I, I, I you know they're good you know they deserve a chance they really do I mean in comparison to who's on the pitch at the time irrespective of whether they're knackered or not and clearly on Sunday um, I think, as we were saying earlier, you know, the uh, the dip in performance in the kind of last half, uh, third of the match, I think, was down to the fact that they're very tired, having had two very hard games in the week. But um, I'm just worried that they're going to, you know, these guys are going to be driven out of the club. And I think it's really short-sighted. And I just wonder if, if it's about time the board started weighing in on this, actually. And I know, Paul, I know it's not that simple playing the youth, but I'm not saying start five youth players in every Premier League game. game. I'm just saying you know, try and be a bit more judicious about bringing them in because these players are good and we're going to lose them. And that worries me, particularly with the transfer ban coming up. Uh, Alex, what will say you? Uh, I can't say, yeah, I'm quite agnostic as well, but I'm, I'm like a know-it-all. And my, my feeling on it was, 
I'm not sitting here screaming for him to be shown the door straight away. I'd see the argument for him being given more time, but I didn't see any way in which the stubborn old git was going to turn it around to the extent that he'd be viable at staying. I think the root of this is because something completely unprecedented in human history has happened here. And that is that a man who's been told he's doing something wrong has listened and actually changed what he's yeah, doing instead of having a massive that. sulk about it, which is is pretty much, if you're a woman, it, it's fucking unprecedented in humanity <laughs> that a guy would just go, oh, my bad, and do it differently. I but take, I take huge that. I take huge <laughs> exception to that. That's, that is <laughs> sexist the on the extreme. Oh, I'm um, all, no, no, when I, hey, and you, you know damn well, better than most, if I screw something up, I fess up and I change. You do indeed. I but, do indeed. Uh, it is very unprecedented, especially in such a macho world as football. Yeah. That well, I've, I've had a lot of therapy, Alex. That helps, you know. Listened to, to his players. I'm very in touch with my feminine side, and I refute everything you're saying. <laughs> you, wear, you wear a cravat. You're wholly in, in human. <laughs> I'm wearing a dress. Are you? <laughs> that reminds me. I want my heels back. JK. <laughs> yeah, no problem. They fit very well, though. I like them. Yeah. You have and lovely it, ankles, that's why. Alex, what, what do you think about um, my fear that uh, his... Uh, I, because I, I, because I I just, just, just preface it again, because, you know, what we... What we I mean, he, and I, I take Dean's, uh, Dean Mears' point that, you know, he's got Christensen, Loftus-Cheek, Ampadu, Hudson-Odoi all in the first team squad, and they are getting minutes, that's true. But... Um, I, I still fear. I fear that we we are going to just drive him out because he plays with a very small squad. He likes to play with the same people that he trusts every week, and it just worries me. They're wasted. Ask me again on Friday morning because for me, he absolutely has to start Ruben and Cho on Thursday against Kiev. Everybody is exhausted. They have minutes in their legs. Hudson Odoi was very impressive against City. Um, Loftus Cheek has has been having an impact off the bench. They have to start on Thursday, and it's like really, I don't want to answer that before we get to Thursday yeah, and point. decide whether he's a belly. Yeah, fair point. I bet you he does play them from the beginning. However, I have to say, there's one aspect that we seem to miss is I don't think they're the fully rounded players that everybody would like them to be, and I, I don't. They're quite as good defensively as um, the Pedro others. Pedro and William, for and I, example. Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, Pedro, that tackle. Oh my yeah, God! Yeah, absolutely, absolutely correct. William and Pedro have been have have really taken it on board. They have, but then having said that, why didn't Hudson Odoi get any minutes yesterday? It's Fulham for God's well, sake. That was my point, Alex. Because you know, poor old Hazard. Because I, I I think that there is. I'm not quite sure which it is. It could be both. Because you know, Hazard we know uh, was carrying an injury, which he's probably still you know carrying, uh, and or and or or also both, was also completely knackered like a lot of them were. So why not bring on hudson Doy? Hazard just needs a, a bloody weekend off and a burger yeah, to uh, I know revive the him. And not, not a vegan burger, none of your mess. He needs a good quarter pounder and to put his feet up for a few days. Mm. He looks very tired. He hasn't been getting any of the sort of uh, Europa League games off of late. Or any of the cup games, he had a couple off, I think, but not as many as you would you would like to see in a busy season. He he's been utilised overly, I think. Gluten free bun. I've got um I've got Paul I've got I've got old Crowderville saying well the reason he didn't bring Ch- Hudson Odoi on because it was two one, 
if it was 3-1, he, he, Hudson Doyle may have got some time. But, you know, that's like saying, well, you know, I don't really trust you to come on at all because the game is still at stake. And yet... But then he you know, well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Well, yeah, well, when, when, you know, when uh, we played City in the cup final, when he came on, uh, City put two men on him. Well, you yeah, know, this we... is Man City. So, you know, they, they're prepared to respect how good he is. Why can't we? You can't say that he didn't come on because he doesn't trust him at 2-1 at Fulham when he brought him on at 0-0 at Wembley. Well, that's, I know, it doesn't make any sense. Listen, there's another point no, in this. Sorry, go on, Jonathan, go on, mate. I think it does make sense because they were playing more defensively. It's his defensive duties that he's not quite up on with the rest mm-hmm. of them. And so because they were playing more defensively, he could actually take a risk with the attacking uh, capabilities that he has. Now, I really think that's the case. And I thought that Loftus-Cheek came on and played well, didn't he, in the period? Yeah. Of Apart yeah. from that one giving of the ball away, which was almost catastrophic. In, yeah, in he, this, was, he was good. This, this is the problem. It's the giving of the ball away. Yeah. It's fatal. Mm-hmm. That's the, you know. Yeah. Listen, there's something else as well. I mean, just to pick up on this whole idea that they were knackered. I mean, Sarri said that they were in the presser afterwards, and I'm inclined to agree with him as well, actually. But, you know, I don't know if I have a lot of sympathy for him because, again, you know, this is a pattern that he, he did at Napoli. I mean, every season at Napoli, they were flying, and then they did an Arsenal or a Spurs or a Liverpool around March time because they were so exhausted because he used so few players. And, and I just wonder if it's this lack of... Uh, rotation that's creating this exhaustion and I wonder whether that actually could cause us a problem in the run-in Alex. Uh, yeah I, I think undoubtedly it will. He already well he said as much in his presser the other day he said I'm worried that so many yeah. of my players are so tired. Well play some it. different ones you mug. <laughs> it ain't hard it's not rocket science is it Jonathan? Yeah, but then he he's stubborn isn't it? It's like you yeah. say he won't use certain players in certain positions he won't put Kante where everyone wants to see Kante. He won't um, bring on the youth if he doesn't if he doesn't trust them to do it. It's he needs to he's got to find a balance between his stubbornness. But then you have to say the guy as well knows that if he doesn't make top four, he's out of a job. That was the, the minimum requirement that he was given was to make the top four for next season to get us back in the Champions League. So his job depends on on not having people slip up so like you say if he doesn't feel the younger ones are as good defensively then no he's not going to use them i think therein lies the problem actually you know because every single manager we've had and by the way actually you know conte uh used a similar amount of small people and ostracized everybody else he didn't think was good enough but um this is the perennial problem at Chelsea. Every manager we've ever had since Roman came in is under this unbelievable pressure to win stuff and finish in the top four. And they're not going to put their cock on the block and put a young player in who they don't, you know, who they know doesn't have the experience or the defensive acuity, you know, that they need in that team. They're going to play experienced international players. We've been saying this for yonks and yonks and yonks. And if if you if we want the youth to come through this club, the board have got. That's why I meant when I said the board need to get in. You know, because if they're going to say, look, you know, we need you to give these players minutes because if you don't, they're going to want to go and we don't want to sell them. So the counterpoint to that is, you know, don't put the pressure on to get top four. Don't put the pressure on to win stuff. You know, his job shouldn't be on the line if they're going to make those demands. But we don't know what goes on, Jonathan, as we always say, do we? Absolutely. We don't. And the board are evil as well, isn't it? Of course, we have to say that. The obligatory, the the, the obligatory, the board. Well, of course, you know, Sid Celery always says on Twitter, whenever we refer to the board, we have to actually really say Roman because that is what we're talking about. We also have to use some of that, like, scary organ music. We shall. We shall. When uh, you uh, got on the vampire ride at Chesington. 
Yeah, I, I like that. I should find some, and, we'll, and I, I can put it on the, the playlist thing I've got. And yeah. It would take me half an hour to kind of make it work, so by that time the joke would have gone, but never mind. Um, right, let's move on to uh, the pot, because it sounds like we've been moaning again, and I really don't... I'm aware, because we had an email last week that said we moaned too much, which I'm aware of, but uh, the bottom line is, is that, you know, we came away with three points yesterday, and, and I was fearful, actually, I was fearful that Fulham would do a number on us because of this flaming manager bounce. And I'm going to do some homework on this, unless somebody who has, uh, you know, too much time on their hands, who's listening to this show, could do it for me, to find out how many times, and they say the last kind of, I don't know, the last year, two, three, four, five years, it doesn't really matter, how many times Chelsea end up playing a team who have just sacked their manager. It seems to me to happen mystically several times a season we're always the next team that they face when they have a, a temporary manager who gives them an immediate lift and we, we suffer from it. So I was a bit worried about that uh, before Sunday. But the reality is, you know, we came home with the bacon, we got three points um, and it's a good week, you know. Uh, disappointing against City, obviously, but a better improvements. Brilliant against Spurs. Uh, you know, got three points yesterday. Uh, Sarri, you know, managed to come out of the Kepa gate kind of unscathed, Jorginho scored a bloody goal, but the but the, the big thing really is that we're now only two points off the top four with a game in hand, and of course Arsenal and Spurs drawing considerably helped, so I think we're in a much better position to make top four than we might have thought maybe a month ago. Well, a week got, ago. Well, even a week ago, quite right, Alex. Now look, I've got, um, I've done, the guys will know this because they've got the script, but you lot listening won't, so I'm just going to bore them silly and read this out so they know what we're talking about. Um, but this is the run-in, comparative to Arsenal, Man United and Spurs. We've got 56 points, Arsenal 57, United 58, Spurs 61. We've got Wolves at home, Everton away, Cardiff at home, West Ham at home, Liverpool away, Burnley at home, Man United away, Watford at home, Leicester away, and Brighton at home to be arranged. Arsenal have got Man United at home, Newcastle at home, Everton away, Watford away, Palace at home, Leicester away, Brighton at home, Burnley away, and Wolves away. Uh, United have got... Oh, I think their Wolves match has got to be uh, arranged as well. Arsenal... Uh, Man United have got Arsenal away, Watford at home, Wolves away, West Ham at home, Everton away, City at home, Chelsea at home, Huddersfield away, Cardiff at home, and Spurs have got Southampton away, Liverpool away, Brighton at home, Huddersfield at home, City away, West Ham at home, Bournemouth away, Everton at home, and Palace, which also I think is at home, and that has to be, or away, I can't remember, probably away, but that has to be arranged as well. So, Jonathan, um, what do you think of that? I mean, you know, who's who's got the hardest run in there, do you think? Uh, it looks like um, uh, United to me. Yeah. Um, uh, or Spurs, because Spurs have got Liverpool and City. And City, yeah, yeah. And West Ham aren't uh, easy at the moment. Palace seem to be resurgent. Everton looked pretty good this weekend. Yeah. Um, and Saints, Saints are doing all right as well. So uh, they'll get dubbed. They'll get dubbed at Wembley. You mark my words. But um, I think Liverpool and uh, the City matches both away for Spurs. I think that's key. Yeah. Um, West Ham, you can't rely on them to ever do what you need them to do. But, of course, it's a nasty derby, so that might help. But uh, that's, you know, I think Arsenal have got the easiest run in, Alex, looking at that. That's a worry. I mean, the only tough match they've got, really, is United at home and possibly Wolves away. 
But yeah, other but than that's that, okay, because that's us and Arsenal with the easiest one. We've gone from a one in three chance of fourth place to a fifty-fifty shot at third or fourth in the last mm, week, which very true. Uh, is fantastic. It's in our hands at least. Well, Wolves are a difficult team at the moment because they're uh, they seem to be quite um, uh, resurgent, but uh, I think they're beatable though. Um, Everton away, you never know. Cardiff, we should steamroll. Uh, Brighton, we should steamroll. West Ham is always difficult because they they come with attitude to the uh, to the bridge, but we should win it. Um, Liverpool away, you never know the way they're playing at the moment. We might come away with a draw. We might even come away with a win. I think because they they seem to be. Uh, it's all very dubious with them at the moment. You also don't know how, how far they're going to get in the Champions League. Um, Burnley, after having a fantastic run, you know, off and on, then we're Man United away. We can once again. You don't know what team's going to turn up. Bournemouth. Um, we've played Bournemouth away, haven't we? That shouldn't be in there, should it? It's not. No, no. no. Um, Watford at home should beat them at home. Leicester away um, depends whether Rodgers has any influence. He's already getting them playing differently. Uh, Brighton at home, we should win. I mean, it, I, and I think everybody's got the, the same. You know, if you look at Arsenal, they've got Leicester, Leicester away. That might be difficult. Palace at home may be difficult for them because Palace seem to be uh, putting a decent run together. Watford away. Watford look look a decent team now. Newcastle have suddenly started doing. You know, every every team has got something going for them at the moment. It's um, and this season has been bonkers. I mean, Burnley got yeah. absolutely battered at the weekend, and yet last weekend they beat Spurs. It's yeah, yeah. you can't. I think everyone's got two banana skins in there some are worse than others but it could, I, I wouldn't want to predict it I mean the one thing I would say is that for us just looking at us um, I mean Everton have been a bit of a bogey side up at Goodison Park oh, recently going yeah. there. Cardiff is is actually should be a walkover but will probably be tough because of the kind of side they are and they're scrapping for their lives at the moment I think West Ham by that stage because that'll be kind of getting on for you know they'll be safe and nothing to play for, so that might help us. I think the Liverpool and United games, we, we've now proven that we can win or draw against those teams if we defend deeper and, and play like we did against City and Spurs, but need to add a bit of creativity. Um, so they're not as daunting as they were. No. Um, Watford, you know, again, they might still be involved in the Cup then, so that might not not be too onerous Leicester will be mid-table with very little to play for Brighton could be scrapping so it's a bit of a much for muchness really I think it's actually quite even I mean as I said I think the only I think Spurs arguably have got the toughest run in because they've got Liverpool and City away but then you could argue we've got United and Liverpool away so that's quite tough whereas United have got Arsenal City and us uh, and Arsenal have got United just you see Arsenal have got the easiest run in in my book they really have. That's a bit of a concern. But, well, you know, like you Arsenal. They are Arsenal. Yeah. But like you, like you said, you know, it's suddenly, it's now two into four, uh, not one into three, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Because Spurs are hilarious. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've got, I had a kind of a weird, I'm sure I dreamt this last night, but don't quote me on this. But I think I might have dreamt that, dreamt that Spurs kind of fell out of the top four and ended up finishing sixth. That would be brilliant. But I also had, a, yeah, but I also, the other part of that dream was that they won the Champions League final. So it was a bit of a nightmare, really, all round. What do you make of this? I know it's not it's not Chelsea. What do you make of this ridiculous admission by Poggettino, Poggettino, that um, it's their five or ten years away from a trophy? Absolutely stupid. The bell end, Just unbelievably stupid. Because 
none of those players will be there in five to ten years. So he's basically written his whole team off. Mm. I mean, absolutely stupid. Oh, well, what a shame. I know. I think he'll be <laughs> off, mate. I do. Yeah. I, 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 but I don't think he'll be off to United, interestingly enough. No, I think he'll they'll, be off to Madrid. They'll, they'll appoint Solskjaer, um, I think. Yeah. He's, he's Which, been... has no one realised up there that how much of the work Ferguson's actually doing with him? Yeah. And that effectively Ferguson is back at United. Yeah, and Phelan. Don't forget yeah. him. Anyway, look, right, Jonathan, so you, are you confident that we can finish top four given what we've just seen before us? Yeah, yeah, I am, yeah. I think we're going to improve, actually. I just think yeah. the season get better and better, actually. I do get the feeling, Alex, that we've, we've turned, turned a bit of a corner, actually, this week. This is quite, a, I mean, you know, if we'd, have, if we'd have been sitting here as we probably were, actually, about three weeks ago, we would have been saying this could be awful, this could be an absolute nightmare, this could be the season over and Sarri will get the boot. But we, yet, did. we did, what we, we did, did say that exactly. Yeah. So, Alex, I, you know, we've just got through a huge week, and I'd say, you know, on all, we've passed it with flying colours. I mean, it would have been nice not to have lost to City on penalties, but you know, other than that, I think it's, it's been a good in, week. Said in the blog this week that this our failure to demolish Fulham was not because we had reverted to the pathetic stance of pre-City. It was just that we came up against a team on the manager bounce who are fighting for survival and were playing in the biggest game of their season. And we got the result, which is what's important. City have just done that two games in a row, two very unimpressive victories over teams they should have smashed. But who gives a crap? Because they won them. And the same for us this weekend. Yeah, exactly that. And of course, Liverpool have drawn uh haven't scored a goal in their last two matches and drawn them both and spurs have just uh picked up one point Bum in their last Spursy. nine yeah so <laughs> you know it's it's all to play for as they say now uh, we're going to disappear for a minute or two part three uh we're going to uh we're actually basically what we're going to going to do is let's all laugh at tottenham because that's our favorite thing to do uh but we're going to look back at a great and ever so funny 2-0 defeat to spurs, at spurs uh, of spurs last wednesday and we're going to have a look ahead to this thursday's europa cup tie against dinamo kiev Cheech. jk in all the years you've been following chelsea you hardly ever miss a match home or away but how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on tv Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. 
The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge. You're listening to the Chelsea Fancast, and uh, I've been waiting for this uh, all week, really, to uh, basically laugh at Spurs again. Uh, it happened again, as we kind of didn't really know it was going to, but we should have relied on ourselves to know that it would. Uh, thing is, uh, Alex, Trippier's comedy goal doesn't really get much better. Or as I should have scripted the show, actually, the title should have been Comedy Goal, apostrophe D, Comedy Gold. I mean, how stupid was that? It was just hilarious, wasn't it? <laughs> he had all the time in the world to look around him as well. He's looked to both sides and realised that he's not under catastrophic pressure from a Chelsea player and then he's lost sight of Lloris and instead of just tapping it to his keeper he's hit it too hard and where he was standing and oh, just Lloris's face was brilliant that was just that face said though I wonder effing Muppet <laughs> I wonder whether he's got great hearing and he heard William clomping along at great speed behind him and he was actually frightened My- my favourite bit of that was William chasing the ball into the net and kicking it again yeah. just to say, ha Yeah. When it went past, I thought, it, I thought, oh, it's going up for a corner. I thought, no, it's going in the net. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then William posted said photo of himself chasing it into the net with the caption, just wanted to make sure. Yeah. But Brilliant. brilliantly, Swedish, Swedish Freddy uh, <clears throat> sent me a screen cap of uh, the Swedish Tottenham podcast and they tweeted at the beginning of the second half, I don't want to jinx it, but Trippier has been phenomenal. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. I have to say, though, I actually I think that was all Loris's fault. You know, I think Loris is a shit keeper, I've got to say. He's, oh, he's, got, got, he's got lots of errors in him. He's got one or two catastrophic yeah. clusterfuck moments in him in every game. Yeah, and we got exactly. two. We got yeah. him passing to Higuain. He was lucky that he hit the post. And then, um, well, the inside of the post, it was like an inch out. And then uh, and then that, which, yeah. what a shame. It's brilliant, wasn't it? Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about, I mean, I, we've kind of done, you know, Sarri listening to the players and changing the tactics and has the penny dropped for Sarri and has he turned a corner in a stay of execution? Because I think the answer to all of that is kind of. But, uh, you know, one thing we didn't really get to discuss on, on Friday so much was uh, really uh, whether... Harry Kane should have been punished for headbutting. Well, he didn't really headbutt him. But he, you know, did a bit of a you know rutting stag thing on yeah, uh, on but uh, on uh, Aspie. Have been done for that. Yeah, so why definitely. is he not done for it? Because, because he's England's captain. He's the FA's favourite. Teflon coated, dribbling little bastard. That's why. Sorry, but it's but... just. But it's awful, Jonathan, because that's clearly what it is, isn't it? Yeah. Ah. Um, the the, um, the linesman should have been more involved as well. He should have um, flagged and said there'd been that contact contact between them. Um, I also thought the um, the business with Louise should have been dealt with better as well. I didn't. Uh, 
He seemed not to be in, keen on giving anybody a card, did he, during the week? Um, no, they said they lauded him for that, though, JK. Know, Even to the point that when um, the North London derby was on, they were saying, oh, he's taking a play out of Mariner's playbook and not showing any cards. And I was like, that's not a good thing if actually people have transgressions that warrant being carded. That yeah, I mean, an idiot. You I think we're looking at too much 70s TV, 70s football. <laughs> I, I agree with you, Jonathan. Actually, mate, you got that spot on. I mean, you know, if the, if 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 an offence warrants a card, then it should get one. But I do think that maybe they were uh, taking into account, and I think what comes across really clearly, and was something which I'm delighted by, I have to say, uh, is the clear enmity between the two sides. They really don't like each other, and there's always lots of. It's a bit like like a kind of a very uh, kind of toned down, sanitised version of watching Chelsea play Leeds back in the day, where they used to kick lumps out of each other because they really didn't like each other. Um, but they don't like each other at all. So maybe you know, given what happened with Clattenburg the other the other year, that's maybe the they, thing, isn't it? Yeah, Nobody maybe they've wants been told. to do a Clattenburg, especially since the idiot comes out every time we play them. Now, would admit he had no control over yeah. that game, and it was kind of epitomised by him carding everybody in sight that it's seen as a positive thing now to let everything go, which we should have, in that case, taken far more advantage of and kicked him even harder. Yeah, it's I true. Eppergate, that Dave asserted himself a lot more. He was in uh, in the players' faces and up to the referee more than we've seen him, actually, whether he was... Uh... Although he went massively over the top at Fulham with that penalty shout and the referee completely mocked him, which was quite funny. Did you see that? No, I didn't. I was he put his hands on his head and screamed like it was the end of the world, when actually I think the Fulham player was quite close and it would have been a harsh penalty to give, but then the referee just did the, the head on head in hands action back at him and laughed. And Dave's oh dear. Funny side, yeah. Oh dear. Um, talking of Aspie, I mean, what I would say, I mean, you know, actually we should, we should first of all, uh, you know, because I remember actually, because of course I couldn't go because I was so ill, I couldn't make it, which is terrible. I have a bad, uh, a bad uh, track record actually. With, uh, do you know what? I'm going to share this with you. Uh, many years ago, I think it was the match where Gallus scored the last minute uh, winner. So somebody will tell me what year that was. But I very nearly didn't make that game because I'd been out and I didn't get any sleep that night. I, 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 I ended up, you know, I had a very debauched evening. Let's put it that way, which led to me not going to bed. And in quite a state, I shall I shall tell you, uh, with drink and everything else. Girls, and, um, girls. Uh, I can't possibly comment on that. You but, worshipped uh, at the altar of Bacchus that evening. I, I did. I was very badly behaved, and I got no sleep. But I still made the game. Two thousand and six is ha- yeah. I still made the game, and I did have a drink, and I joined Doctor Mart, who thought that I should have no right to be alive, and. Um, and I made it through the game, although I was in danger of nodding off occasionally. Um, but I, luckily, I, I went, and, and I, you know, because I can't miss Chelsea Spurs. Whatever happened, and I actually think that I've been kind of in a weird kind of uh, kind of uh, kind of you know mystic way, been paying for that sin ever since. Because it's you know I've missed a lot of Chelsea Spurs games in the last few years for absolutely awful and ridiculous reasons, you know. And yet again, I managed to miss this one because I, I, I generally wasn't very well and I just couldn't get up to London. So there you go. Anyway, I digress massively. The bottom line is uh, I do remember because I was on Twitter before the game, whereas I normally wouldn't because I'd be in the pub. Um, and there was absolute outrage at the team he picked. And uh, there was a lot of quite unhappy people by the fact that Willie 
had started and the worry was he was going to throw one in. But Willie Jonathan had a good game, mate, I thought. He even managed to catch a few and punch well, a few. Again, as we've said before, he was protected by a much better defence. But yes, yes, and he was uh, he was very pleased with the whole thing. I was interested when Sarri said that um, he was a very important man in the dressing room with his experience, yeah. his experience no, no. And, uh, and ability. He's a decent goalkeeper. He's not... I think he, he won't be as good as Kepper. Um, uh, it would have been interesting to see how he'd have performed against Fulham. But um, and I think he's um, he's dealt with this similarly as uh, as in a very mature fashion, actually, with not being then selected for the Fulham game. But um, you know, he's um, he, he's he's as I think Clayton would would debate this with me and saying he isn't a very good goalkeeper at all. But uh, he's he's, um, he's a worthy substitute with great experience. You know, he, you know, he's played for Argentina as well, so perhaps that's very helpful with Higuain and uh, well, uh, in the dressing room, you know. so I think his general demeanour in the dressing room, this is Blue Squirrel, is, is uh, very... You remember Balak was like it. He pulled the different groups together, the sort of yeah. disparate country groups together and and made everyone get along better. And, and he's very friendly, apparently, and very, uh, very professional. There's no, and never any moaning about being left out or anything. He's always there to do whatever he can for the team. So he is a positive figure in the dressing room. But it would have been very, very bad if he had come out any um, with any negative perception on him after what happened, because it had nothing to do with him at Wembley. He was just doing as he was told, and he sort of got put in the middle of it, didn't he? And then he got picked, yeah. and people were a bit miffed that he got picked for Spurs before kickoff. And and uh, but yeah, luckily everything went really well because it would have been a shame. He played well. He, he made very good decisions. Yeah, he's he's a very decent substitute actually. He is indeed. Uh, but as you you pointed out, Jonathan as well. Um, I think the most pleasing it was just outstanding defending. Uh, it's kind of bizarre. I think he's just ingrained in this 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 team. Uh, and has been for a long time. When when they when they when they're up for it and they know that they're in a battle, they don't do this all the time. Sometimes they bloody chuck it in, as we know. But you know, heroic defending is. I mean, they did it against City at home, and we won that. And they would they were like that again against Spurs. They see it's just kind of weird. There's like some spirit that gets rekindled. But I thought a lot of them were great. Aspie, Louise, Rudiger. Thought Alonso had a really good game too. Uh, but for me, uh, the standouts uh, of the match were really Kante and Pedro, Alex. They were superb, I thought. Pedro had a, one of his rare kind of brilliant games where he was both good in attack and defence. Uh, his big games always come against big teams as well, don't they? He's... Well, I've said it for a long time, Alex, you see. I think there are some of, the, some of the players that we've got in the side are still what I would call big game players. I mean, David Luiz, for a start, he always turns up when it's a big game, but quite often doesn't turn up when it's not. I think you could put Pedro in that category. William, quite possibly, you could put in that category too. You know, they're they're an odd they're an odd bunch, aren't they? They are. I mean, we are spoiled in the way that we can rotate them in and out, um, quality wise, and especially when you consider that you've got Callum Hudson Odoi <clears throat> behind them as well. And it, it's just, I think it was. <laughs> It's very hard, isn't it, to to always get the best out of them when they're constantly rotating in and out. And I just thought Pedro was outstanding against Spurs. I just thought. But then across the team, they all were. There was an utter determination to win the ball back every time we lost it. We gave them no quarter ever when they were on the ball. They had yeah. two or three people harassing them. And, I mean, Pedro personified it, but they they all did it. Um, and... David Luiz grew and grew into that game till the end point. Yeah, I mean, they wanted yeah. to absolutely 
beat the living daylights out of him because he was everywhere. And then Rudiger as well was uh, the same throughout the entire game. And Emerson as well. Emerson was absolutely fantastic. Mm. Good stuff. Well, um, all for beating Spurs. I mean, I, w- I could be churlish and, and say, you know, a clean sheet, but only one shot on target. But we've kind of done that already and we still don't really have the answer. But let's have a look at... Uh, this Thursday, uh, I will be there, even if I am feeling like this, which is pretty shit, because uh, I've bought my ticket and I'm going to bloody well go. Um, I think the bought mo- any of the tickets, Chidge, around where I sit. So we've been upgraded to upstairs. There's going to be an empty area. You've lost me there, because aren't you normally, aren't you in the East Middle still? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're still, yeah, sorry, I'm talking rubbish. What I mean is that we've been upgraded to the executive club because nobody's buying the ticket. So it'll be. Oh, what, for, for the Holland Suite? Yeah. Or, you know, you're in Aussies, aren't you? Sorry. Aussies, yeah, from Aussies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody's bought the tickets in Aussies. Yeah, nobody. Blimey. Yeah. Well, because it, it's, um, uh, then there's no discount. We're having a conversation about hospitality areas, everybody, but um, it's, um, it, all they are is that it, it's an area where I've always sat and uh, slowly but surely every year the prices go up. But they put the prices up ludicrously for this game. And whereas everybody else is getting seats at 12 quid and 20 quid and goodness said what else, they've suddenly decided to uh, up the ante in the hospitality areas to make up for it. So what's happened mm. is nobody's bought near the ticket. Mm. Not good fat. at all. Not good, no, no. Not good at all. All right, well, look, uh, uh, I can introduce this bit about Dean Mokiev by uh, the astounding revelation from the wonderful Dean Mears, uh, who <laughs> says, how scary was this? The night the draw was made, I had chicken Kiev for dinner. So Ooh. basically... Basically, it's all Dean's fault that we're playing Dean Mokiev, who we've only ever played once, actually, which is, which is just before the, the end of Mourinho's second reign when we played them in the Champions League. And I think we squeaked through with a 1-0 victory. I think we drew 0-0 and won 1-0. I can't remember because uh, my memory is rubbish. But, uh, you know, uh, Dean and Mokiev, just to give us a bit of info about them, um, they're currently sitting second in the Ukrainian Premier League. And from 18 games, they've conceded just nine goals, winning 12 times and losing four and they beat Olympiacos in the last round, having suffered just one defeat in the Europa League group stages. In fact, their last six matches, they uh, going uh, furthest back, they lost 1-0 to, away to FK Jablonek in the Europa League. They lost 3-1 to any revolution in a friendly match. They drew 2 all with Olympiacos in the round of 32, and they beat Olympiacos 1-0 at home in the round of 32 in the Europa League, and their last two league matches, they won 5-0 against FC Zoria, and they won 2-1 against uh, Desna, whoever they are. Uh, anyway, um, they've also got, apparently, the, the, the good, old, good old, I did a bit of research, not like me, I must have been bored today, uh, but the, there are three players to look out for. One is the uh, striker, oh, he's, a, he's a right winger, actually, from Ukraine, who, who, who knew? Uh, Viktor Shinikov, I oh, think that's Shinikov, no, Shyanikov. Anyway, whatever. Call him Victor. Victor, yeah. Victor, yeah. He scored 11 goals in all competitions from the right wing. He's 21 years old. He's got four caps for Ukraine. He's quite a key part of the Kiev squad. He scored 13 goals last season and scored twice in the Europa League so far. Uh, he's also a key provider, having set up four goals in Europe and assisted three in uh, the domestic league. And then you've got... Benjamin Verbich, uh, it's his first season with Kiev. He joined from FC Copenhagen, uh, and he's got 10 goals from left wing this year. This is not. This is worrying me. They've got wingers who score. Anybody worried yet? Uh, anyway. I'm absolutely petrified now, just reading this out. Bloody hell. 
I, I presumably they were playing people who are shit. That's my one hope. Uh, but anyway, of, of, he's had uh, three. He scored three in the Europa League, and he's also scored twice uh, when they attempted to qualify for the Champions League. He's made twenty-one appearances for Slovenia and scored three goals for his country. Uh, so I tell you what, Matt Jazz will know all about him. Matt Jazz, if you're listening, if you're out there, uh, tell us all about Benjamin Verbich. Uh, and then there's uh, Dennis Boyko, who's the goalkeeper. Who's an ever-present, apparently. He's kept 12 clean sheets in the league. Uh, not been so reliable in the Europa League, conceding eight goals in the seven games. Uh, he's uh, played seven, six times for the Ukraine, uh, although they're only in, in friendlies. He's 31 years old. Uh, so, uh, what, so who cares that he's 31 years old? I mean, you know, I'm 53. What does that mean? Anyway, whatever. Who are you? Oh. I am. I am. 53 years young. Anyway, Jonathan... Um, and Alex, in fact, but uh, Jonathan first. Uh, I think the key thing for Chelsea, as we were kind of alluding to earlier, is... Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. I've just been interrupted by Dean with the, possibly the worst joke ever, uh, which says uh, <laughs> the, uh, there's a midfielder uh, for Dean Kiev who's known for having three testicle, testicles. Uh, I don't actually... I can't read that. Can you, can you read that? Hujanikobolikov. Hujanikobolikov, that's it. Well done, Dean. Awful joke. Um... Anyway, yeah, the, we were alluding to this earlier. Who, who, you know, who's Sarri going to pick for Thursday? Um, you know, will Hazard be rested? They'll have done some research, won't they? Um, uh, they might put Hazard on the bench, uh, bring him on later on, as before. Um, remember, he came on in, in, against um, uh, Malmo and didn't really do much, just wandered about a bit. But I think we were in control by then. Um, might start with, uh, with um, Giroud. I hope he doesn't, because I think um, Higuain is coming coming good. But I thought that uh, he played well in the last Europa League game, didn't he, Giroud? He um, did. He did. So perhaps he'll he'll be true to what he did previously against Malmo and play the similar side, which would mean Emerson, um, uh, Loftus Cheek, Hudson Odoi, uh, possibly Kovacic playing instead of for Jorginho. But who knows? I would like him if he did. Well, perhaps he's if he's seen that that they're a, a better proposition than uh, than Malmo, he may play a slightly stronger side. But I think Christensen will play, um, or perhaps because he didn't, Louis didn't play. Perhaps Louise will play because Louise didn't play at the weekend. Um, it depends how knackered they are in training, I suppose. But uh, I'd have thought he'll give them um, Loftus Cheek and uh, Adoy starts. Actually, what do you think, Alex? Yeah, agreed. Mostly because that's what I want to happen. Well, I kind of do too, but I think a lot of it's going to depend on, you know, what Sarri thinks about the possibility of winning a trophy and what he thinks about, uh, you know, finishing in the top four. So will will he decide whether the Europa Cup is a distraction from finishing in top four or essential as a backup should we not finish in top four? So I, I kind of have a bit of sympathy with him really because we don't know, do we? got to be the second uh, one though hasn't it can't piss well, away any chance to get into the champions league well exactly that's a very good point which i mean knowing that he's quite stubborn in caution and now we're getting into the latter stages against better teams uh, i'm just wondering whether he will in fact um start with the kind of team that you're both talking about i mean frankly irrespective of whether we want to see people like loftus cheek and hudson adoy getting a game I, I mean you know it's clearly obvious that a lot of that side are knackered at the moment I mean, if I was the manager, if it was me making the decision for Thursday, I would assess in training this week who is knackered and who isn't. And if you're knackered, you don't play on Thursday. 
but you know, yeah. who knows? Which, I, as is, I, as... which is why it's difficult to call the team selection, I think, because we don't know exactly who's. I mean, Hazard to me looks the most obviously leggy at the moment. I would uh, yeah. assume that Alonso is as well because he's either on the pitch or not even on the bench. So he's either nursing something or or isn't feeling too great either, I wouldn't have thought. So, yeah, it's a hard one to call. because we it, is a, it is, isn't it? It's definitely a hard one to call. And, and of course, you know, we have no idea what Dinamo Kiev are like, Jonathan, so we've got no idea what we can predict. Uh, it's, it's almost impossible to call. Other than obviously, hopefully, we'll, we'll bang a few goals in and, and, and make it quite easy for when we go over there, because that's not an easy trip, is it, going away no, to Kiev? We need to get two or three goals, Um in the first I think minute. you would want to leave as many people completely as home at home as you could get away with, yeah. which means scoring a few. But they'll have done their research. They're not, you know, we are talking about professional club here, elite, one of the elite clubs. They'll know how Kiev play, and he'll try and work out a team accordingly. We hope. Using <laughs> what he's got. Yeah. Well. Bearing all of that in mind, I'm not going to bother giving everybody a fatuous prediction other than Chelsea are playing on Thursday against Dinamo Kiev in the Europa Cup and I'll be there. And the other prediction, the other prediction I'll Yeah, the other prediction I'll make is that I will be in the cock having a few pints beforehand. Um, right, so anyway, hopefully it'll be uh, an entertaining evening and we'll win. That's all I care about. Now, talking of winning things, uh, those of you who are not yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest will know that the Chelsea fancast has won the football blogging awards twice uh, once in 2012 which I have to say was a more notable achievement than uh, Chelsea winning the Champions League uh, that year uh, but also we won it again in 2015 and I think every year they've run it the first year was 2012 we've made the finals uh, apart from I have to say with utter disgust last year and I still think it was rigged and it was a fix that we didn't because there were podcasts in the best podcast category. There's no way they got more votes than us. So I'm not blaming you, our loyal fans and followers. Okay, I'm not blaming you. I think it was, I'm going all Trumpian on this. The election was rigged. That's all I'm saying. Um, but I have joy in telling you all that uh, the Football Blogging Awards are upon us yet again. Um, now, like last year, uh, there are two rounds. There's a nominations round, so you, you have to vote for us to get nominated. And if we get nominated, we then go to the final. We have a nice flashy do at Ali Pali. I don't know where it is this year, but uh, it was at Ali Pali last year. And then after a period of time, well, I can tell you actually, um, the nomination voting starts on the 8th of March at 12 p.m. GMT. So that's this. Is that Thursday, Alex? Uh, Friday the 8th. Is, is, is the 8th Friday? Yeah, you're right. So, this Friday, 8th of March, 12 o'clock midday, that's when the nomination voting starts. And the nomination voting finishes two weeks later on the 24th of March at 7 o'clock uh, GMT. So, what do we need you to do? We need you to bloody well vote. Nominate us, and then you have to do it all again and vote for us. Because if we don't make the finals this year, I'm going to throw a massive hissy fit, and I'm never going to enter it ever again, ever. Okay, and I might be, I might be, I might return and haunt you all in another life. Um, anyway, uh, all the categories, as always, will have a fan vote and a judge vote. Uh, so they're kind of two, you know, basically there's a judges award and a and a fans award, and they're going to release the finalists on the third of April two thousand and nineteen, and the winners will be announced at their very posh due on the 9th of May. 
Uh, now, listen, you lot, you can't vote yet. Can't nominate yet because it doesn't open until 12 o'clock this Friday, the 8th of March. Um, but when that is open at 12 o'clock on the 8th of March, uh, you can vote uh, on the Football uh, football Blogging Awards website or you can vote uh, on the Chelsea Fancast website because I'll get it up on there. You can vote for the judge nominations and you can vote on Twitter and you can vote on Instagram. And I mean, there are loads of other categories too. So, I mean, obviously, I'd love you to vote for us as best, pod- best podcast, but you could vote for Alex or Dean as the best new blog. Loads of categories. I'll, all the information will go up on the website. Fear not. Um, if you want to vote on Instagram, then you just head to the Football Blogging Awards Instagram page and then click on the relevant category image, so best podcast for us, and tag the Instagram account of uh, of Chelsea Fancast in the comments. You can only vote, only vote once per category, all right? But I think you can vote on each different platform. So you can vote Instagram or Twitter or the website. That's my understanding anyway. To vote on Twitter, same old, same old that we've always done. Um, you basically vote or you put put in your tweet, I am voting for at Chelsea Fancast in at the FBA little s for hashtag best podcast. Okay, but you've got to get it like that, exactly like that. Otherwise, they don't ex- uh, accept it. And if you want to vote in the judge nominations, uh, then uh, you have to go to the Football Bloggings Award Awards site and hit that link. So are we all clear, people? And yes, don't worry, CFC Sport. I will be reminding you on an hourly basis between the 8th of March and the 24th of March because I will really, I will have the right royal hump if we don't get nominated in the finals this year because, then, then you know, what's the point, you know? I'm like Chelsea, I'm in it to win it, mate. None of this fanning around. I want to do a, if I do a hat trick, if I win it again, third, if I sorry, if we win it again, big fat headed ego that I am, if we win it again, that'll be three times we'll have done a hat trick and I can retire and you never have to listen to my moaning voice on a Monday evening ever again. So I don't know if that's an encouragement or not, but we shall see. Now, things that are far more important even than that are the wonderful Kenny Rice's uh, do uh, for those of you who are interested in, are in London. Uh, but Tom and Kenny are uh, having a fundraising night at the Star and Garter in Putney on Saturday the 23rd of March, which, as you now know, is the day before you uh, can stop voting or nominating us in the FBAs. Um, and that's also International Football Weekend. And it's in memory of Jacob Rice. Uh, it's to support Tom and Kenny in the run-up to completing the London Marathon on April the 25th. There'll be a raffle to raise funds for Leukemia UK and Children with Cancer, which are the two charities closest to their hearts. The raffle will be hosted by the lovely Julie Osborne and Becca Matthews. Walter Otten will be the MC, and Tate Mix Tim has done a banging playlist for the music. So it sounds like it's going to be a cracking evening. All the Chelsea faces will be there, such as Ari Up, only a pound, Mr. CFC UK, Mark Worrell, friend of the show, often on our show, as you know. And by the way, if you're interested, Mark's not been on the show recently because he's, he's got uh, work gigs on, which means that he's not around at 7 o'clock in the evening. Uh, but he's in fine form besides that. Uh, sadly, I will not be here at that do because I'm, I might be booked in to go to a, a, a friend's 40th uh, birthday party. So sadly, I won't be there. Now, uh, you may have been aware, we said this a few weeks ago, that uh, Chelsea cult hero, another friend of the show, Mickey Thomas, who played for us in the 80s, has been diagnosed with stomach cancer, which is very horrible, and is facing a very big battle. He's had an operation. He's now in ke- uh, having chemotherapy. Last reports I heard was it's, it's tough, but he's hanging on in there and he's okay. He's fighting, which is what it's all about. Now, players in the 80s didn't earn anything like the money that players earn now, so Mickey won't be able to work for quite a while. So uh, 
If you want to help him out and show your appreciation for Mickey, who, as I said, he's a lovely bloke, loves Chelsea and the supporters, and he was a great player to watch, uh, you can lend a hand by donating to his GoFundMe campaign, which has been set up for him. The best thing to do is just go to GoFundMe, uh, www.gofundme.com, and uh, just tap in, tap in Mickey T Fight Cancer, and you'll you'll find uh, his, his page and donate. Uh, right. After this, um, there'll be lots of... Well, I'm going to say lots. We've got four absolutely superb emails to read out, so we'll see you in a sec. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back. It's uh, Stamford Chidge, of course. This is the Chelsea Fancast. It seems to have whizzed by tonight. I don't know why, but we're in part four, which means only one thing. It means it's time for uh, some emails, and Jonathan has the first one. From Anthony Ford. Hi, Chidge, JK and gang. Long-time listener, first-time emailer. Lovely to have you, Anthony. I just wanted to raise a couple of points that seem to get often raised but rarely challenged. First point, move Kante back to his best position. Kante has never played in the Jorginho role as in a deep-sitting playmaker or more generally as the sole-holding midfielder, the Makaleli role. In Leicester's title-winning team, Kante was alongside or ahead of the dynamic Danny Drinkwater. In Chelsea's title-winning team, again, Kante alongside or ahead of the Serbian Michael Carrick, a.k.a. Matic. In France's World Cup-winning team, Pogba was next to him, or at least I think so. I didn't watch all their matches. I could be wrong. Just look at the season Kante is having. Man of the match performances pretty much every match. Winning the ball high up the pitch and gliding past opposition players and making incisive passes with ease. He wouldn't be doing that if he's in the Makaleli stroke Jorginho role. As you've rightly said before, other than Hazard, he's our only world-class player. He would be wasted constantly sat so deep, especially with the 50-year-old Paul Scholes, a.k.a. Kovacic, playing ahead of him. He's a box-to-box midfielder and seems to be loving playing under Sarri. That said, he does need to sit deeper when we haven't got the ball in the big matches, given Jorginho's lack of defensive ability, as evidenced by our result against City in the league when he was pressing high compared to the cup final against them. Second point, this squad won the league in 2017. It's not the squad that's the problem. That squad had Diego Costa scoring 20 league goals. He's now gone and no goal scorer is currently there. That squad had John Terry in the dressing room, albeit not playing too much. He's now gone and no such leader is currently there. That squad had no European football to worry about, having finished 10th the season after Leicester won one of the poorest of Premier League seasons in terms of big team quality in recent memory, if not ever. So let's stop romanticising this squad, which is overly reliant on Hazard and Kante, and frankly, is not up to the standard we've come to expect in the Abramovich era. Overall, I'm not overly sarry in or sarry out. Given the adjustments he made versus City and Spurs, I'd like to see us give him at least another season here to implement this more flexible version of sarry ball rather than consign him to our long list of sacked managers, not least because of the less than appealing list of currently available managers. <clears throat> all from me. That's all from me. Let me know what you think and keep up the good work. Ant. Uh, I agree with him on everything. Uh, I think we should keep him for the season. I think um, 
Yes, he's right. He's right about Kante, who's been fabulous, hasn't he? He has. I mean, I, I would add to that, uh, because I think, you know, Ant's actually responding to a lot of what we've been saying on the show recently. I mean, I know we I, we often say Kante's in the wrong position, Kante's in the wrong position, but I don't, I don't think I've ever really meant Kante should be in Jorginho's position in a 4-3-3 to do what Jorginho does. What I've what I meant was that Kante in a four-two-three-one is the best, uh, or, or whatever Kante it was. It was like three-four-three, wasn't it? With uh, Conte, he's the best player in the world in a midfield two as the as the guy who kind of intercepts, wins the ball, and gives it to somebody more creative to go and do something with it. And I think for me, the issue is, and so you know, basically, that's why I've always said. It ain't going to change because Sarri plays four three three, and he likes to have a playmaker playing quite deep, as in Jorginho. So I don't mean it like that. Ant. I meant that if you're going to play Kante in his best position, you play a completely different formation, which is, I don't think, what uh, Sarri wants to do. What I would also say is that I do think that Kante is the best player in the world at being in front. Uh, sorry, being you know with his, you know, kind of basically being able to look to see what's happening in front of him. Because his ability to anticipate and break up the opposition's play is second to none. Uh, and his energy to go and intercept it is also second to none. So that's why I was saying he's playing in his wrong position. But I do take your point. Um, what was his other point, Jonathan? Oh, yeah. The, I think the squad winning the league 2000. I think that's a brilliant point. I, I, you know, because I'm saying this all the time, but you're right, mate. Uh, we had Diego Costa. We don't anymore. And we had leaders in the dressing room like JT. So... I think that's a really, really valid point. What, what do you think, Alex? Yeah, I, mean, I agree with you. I don't think the problem is that Kante <coughs> is in the wrong position. It's that Kante is not in the position that shows him off to the best of his ability. But yeah. like you say, to change it would require a complete change of formation. And it's not like he is terrible where he's being paid, but... People can't comprehend that you wouldn't take a player that good and and make it about getting the best you possibly could out of him, especially when you're overly reliant on him and Hazard. Indeed. I think you make a decent point about the squad not being up to the standard we've come to expect. Oh, that's true, yeah. Uh, I just think there are some players who really aren't um, uh, playing up to their their, uh, abilities, really. I think um, uh, Barclay's one of them who... But don't quite understand what he's doing at the moment. He was still robotic following a plan and he just needs to be unleashed. I don't know how you do that. Um, Because you expect him to be uh, slightly more um, ambitious playing against Fulham, but he was very rigid and uh, and I, I felt disappointing again. Yeah. All right, good work, Ant. Thanks for the email, mate. Uh, now we've got another one from Alan Smith. It's kind of a follow-up one, this. He says, Hi, guys. Many thanks for reading out my email recently. The one with the Lamborghini metaphor. I kind of remember that. Do you remember that, Jonathan? Yes, yes, I mentioned it. I kept saying, what a lovely... Yeah. We had lots of emails with uh, with imagery, and uh, and it was um, rather entertaining. Yeah, he says, And given the gloom resulting from being a blues fan lately for bringing a bit of light and joy into the darkness. Very kind of you. Uh, Having said that, I have to say that I can't really go along with the belief that we have somehow turned the corner against Man City in the League Cup final. Seems to me it was simply a case of hanging on, taking no chances, playing it tight, which is all very well, but if you can't score goals, you'll never win games. A nil-nil scoreline in every Premier League game will give a side a total of 38 points at the end of the season. 
Here's a statistic that you might like to work out. How many minutes of football since we have scored a non-penalty goal? Well, of course, this was written before Spurs so I, I and, and Fulham, so uh, it's a bit uh, moribund, but I take his point. How many minutes of football since we have scored a non-penalty goal in the Premier League against a side not in the relegation zone? Not pretty reading, is it? Uh, and, and I think the last time we had done that, because I did look at the time, and I think it was against Man City uh, back in December. <clears throat> anyway... Uh, and when a team containing Hazard, William, Pedro and Higuain goes this long without a goal, surely you can't avoid the conclusion we are doing something wrong. Uh, I really don't want to hate on Sarri, who came to the club with a vision. It's just a shame his plan was like the brakes on Christopher Robin's train set. It's a good sort of break, it just hasn't worked yet. Sarri Ball was worth a try, but has not worked and he should be let go. But with respect and a lack of, of, of the piss-taking he has had to endure... I hope he goes on to Roma and leads them to a narrow defeat against Chelsea in the 2020 Champions League final. Speaking of hopes, I'd also love to see a Chelsea with Kante, Higuain, Hazard <coughs> and Kepa are playing to full capacity alongside Loftus-Cheek and Hudson-Odoi under a manager who knows how to use the team properly, Zidane, for choice. If so, who cares about the transfer ban? <coughs> Excuse me. Finally, regarding Sarri, can everybody please stop wittering on about his nicotine habit? For fuck's sake, he doesn't molest kids or murder nuns or sniff cocaine. Smoking tobacco is still a legal habit. Anyway, this is being written before the Spurs game. Let's hope that by the time you have the option of reading this out, we've wiped the floor with them, can generally talk about a new dawn. But if they've done us, as sadly may well be the case, at least we have the Chelsea fancast to console us. Up the Chelsea and best to all, Alan Smith. Oh, Alan, ye of little faith, ye of little faith. We did them, we did them, mate. We did, didn't we? We did. Uh, but I, I think actually, you know, he kind of touches on a point that we are still concerned about, which is how do we, uh, you know, address this dichotomy that we now have, which is that at least Sarri can stop us getting beaten by the good teams by defending more solidly. But of course, it leaves us completely impotent up front. Uh, and how can we be wonderfully uh, fertile up front and leave ourselves open to, you know, being picked off by even the worst team? So there's a lot of work to do, isn't there? But as I said earlier on, I'm agnostic about Sarri, really. If he goes, he goes. If he stays, he stays. I only care about Chelsea doing well, um, which I think we all we all share that view, don't we, Alex? Yeah, and I'm not going to stop laughing on a cigarette habit either. It's what we do. We caricature people. It's what makes it constantly interesting for... Uh... For us to keep talking about the same people all season long with Klopp, it's his teeth and the fact that he looks like Wurzel Gummidge or it's Wayne Rooney's big meathead or it's the fact that Eric Dyer looks like Frankenstein's monster and for Sarri it's the fact that he stinks like a chimney. Yeah, good it's cruel, but funny. good point about Klopp is that they've let go an 11-point lead, Liverpool. And yeah. Nothing, nothing in the media about it. Yeah. It's because he cuddles stewards and shit. He's awesome. Get he's a them. horrible sorry go on he's a horrible nasty piece of work he is you know yeah when it doesn't go his way you look at his post-match interviews like this one he's really acerbic and shitty with the journalists Can he I gets all snide and horrible what he got called in the pub I hope his teeth Americans. fall out one what? of the Americans was so angry with him after that that they referred to him as the worst German since Hitler whoa <laughs> harsh but probably fair uh, I don't know. I just hope his teeth fall out. That'll serve him right. Uh, anyway, we've got a brilliant email next, Jonathan. It's, it should be a privilege for you to read this one out. So well written, is it? <laughs> you think the surname is Ia? Vinod. Aya? Aya. Aya? 
Apologies, yeah. Vinod, for not knowing. I will presume it's Aya. Vinod Aya. Hello, everyone. I am Vinod from Mumbai, India. Marvellous. I should probably introduce myself for someone who's been living under a rock, to be honest, but, you know, understandable. Podcasts have been a rather recent discovery for me. I love what you guys do. Thank you, Vinod. As an overseas supporter, engaging with other fans is a rarity. I've been following Chelsea since the end of 2002-2002 season. I hated Arsenal and Man United, who were the two most popular English clubs in India. The TV pundits loved Spurs and Liverpool. I always had a thing for underdogs who are fun to watch and the ability to get an odd win. Maybe that's why I like Chelsea. Also, Zola. As you can imagine, the process of initiation is not the same for an overseas fan compared to someone from London. The game against Arsenal where we lost 2-1 was when I realised I was emotionally invested in this club. The one where Crespo scored a stunner from outside the box. I was absolutely heartbroken. I suppose we played well in that game for me to feel that bad. That was truly a season of oh-so-close yet so far. Still remember that Shearer long ranger over the hapless Ambrosio that effectively spursed our title hopes. By the end, I was a proper fan. Unfortunately, club football hardly had any following in India, even less for Chelsea. I was the only Chelsea fan I knew. So I started this online community on urkut.com, that's O-R-K-U-T.com, called Chelsea India Supporters Club. Subsequently, a few of us got together and took it offline. We started watching games together in pubs. Since then, the Supporters Club has spread its wings to other cities. Our high point was when a little more than a hundred of us from a few cities got together to watch the 2012 Champions League final in the city of Goa. What a night. The Supporters Club is now being run by the next generation of fans. Business responsibilities mean that I'm typically working on weekends and find myself unable to go for the match screenings. For the last few years, I've intermittently engaged in online forums, though honestly, the circular nature of debating, coupled with the impersonal nature of online forums, makes me weary. The podcast, however, especially <coughs> especially yours, come as a breath of fresh air, as does Mixela. It truly makes me feel close to the club. It's a bit bittersweet, bittersweet as well, considering it also serves as a reminder of the distance when you all talk about being in and around the bridge. Ironic. Coming to current affairs, there are a couple of issues I believe both the fans and the media often overlook. <coughs> Fatigue. There's one thing about Sarri's methods that doesn't quite add up. He wants to play a high-energy pressing game and work with a small squad. The contradiction is there for everyone to see. I can understand why Sarri likes a small squad, given his methods. Another manager who likes to work with a small squad is Jose. Pick any industry. It's always easier to manage a smaller group than a larger one. However, if you want to play an intensive style and be consistent throughout the season, you need a large pool of talent. Is it any wonder why Pep runs a squad with such depth in quality? Considering the fact the board is unlikely to invest in a big squad, I can't see how Sarri's methods can work at Chelsea. We will play brilliantly till January and the players will be knackered by March. I hope the fans understand <coughs> and give the players a break. I know the second half against Fulham looked bad. The players were tired. It's been a trying two weeks, but we've ended it well and the season looks back on track. Here. Number two, assistant coaches. I believe the role of assistant coaches is often overlooked. A good analogy would be mid-level managers in any organisation. 
while the top management provides strategic direction and devise plans, is up to the middle management to execute them. Similarly, while the manager might have his methods, it's the assistant coaches who run the drills. Another important facet of coaching is technique. How many of the players bought after 2012 have improved their technique? What we need are a few assistant coaches who have trained academy players where there's more focus on technique. We underestimate the contributions of the likes of Steve Clark and Paul Clement. We missed a trick by appointing Zola as the assistant coach. Jody Morris would have been a far better choice. Young players like Hudson Adoy and Ampadu have a lot of room for improvement. If the board overlooks this aspect of management, you can fully expect to see young players not making an impact, even if they train a lot with the first team in a given minutes. It's absurd to recruit a manager without a record of improving young players. It's a contradiction of objectives I cannot come to terms with. You want to control expenses. You have a fantastic academy. You want to win silverware, yet you bring in managers without the capability or record of improving young players. Going forward, it would bode well for the club to assess not just the manager, but his complete team. That's it from me. Have a great evening and up the Chelsea. Best regards, Vinod. I go by at Siege Mentality 4 on Twitter. I'll be following you, Vinod. I leave you with a video of the lads in Mumbai singing Alouetta at a screening. It's on youtube.com forward slash watch and the usual question mark. V equals Y, capital K, small k, capital Y, capital H, small j, capital M, capital R, small v, capital B, capital E. I'll give you that again. YouTube.com slash watch question mark small v equals y capital k small k capital y capital h small j capital m capital r small v capital b capital e it's clearly worth worth a look guys it'll be excellent well done vinod fantastic email fantastic i love it i love that kind of thing Setting up a supporters club uh, is absolutely brilliantly done. And your points, um, I don't know anything about the Chelsea assistant coaches at the moment, because obviously it's not um, Sarri who runs it. He's got this big team together, hasn't he? They all seem to be very friendly with us. Huge hugging goes on at the end of games they've won, like the Spurs game the other day. The adulation from the coaches for every single player who came off the field was fantastic. Everybody got a huge hug because it meant so much to them. Um, and obviously, Steve Holland was a great coach, because he's been linked with the club, which I have to say I think was complete rubbish, um, as was the madness of linking Brendan Rodgers with the club. Of course, he clearly wouldn't have been... Uh, if he thought Chelsea were after him, he'd still be hanging around, waiting. He wouldn't have instantly leapt in at going to Leicester. So that was another complete uh, no-no on Twitter and everywhere. Um, but um, so uh, your, your point about assistant coaches, I'm not sure about. About fatigue, I think it's a very good point. Um, uh, but he does like working with smaller groups. But uh, perhaps he's learning. Perhaps, we'll, as we'll see during the week, perhaps he will start um, some of the youth. Perhaps he will start them and it will be a bigger, bigger squad that he's using. I know that he's actually bringing some of the youth into the first team um, uh, squad at the moment, uh, other than them. Who was the player? Chidge, who was the player that he brought? brought in as a young guy he brought in who wasn't one of the usual ones do you remember recently uh, no i don't yeah, actually yeah gamma the c perhaps somebody on mixler will know uh, young, no, you young got guy. me there 
Um, by the way, people in Mixler land, I've put up the link to uh, oh, Vinod, Vinod's uh, YouTube clip, so do have a look. And uh, the lovely Anabin, who I've been having little Patreon chats with recently, uh, he says that Vinod was the primary driver behind the uh, Chelsea India fan club. So uh, Vinod is obviously Brilliant. some sort of a celebrity in India. So we're honoured to get a, an email from you, Vinod. And clearly he's in Mixler occasionally, so... Uh, so uh, I, hope, I hope he's in here tonight to have heard that. He says, Annaban says, uh, I remember when we were part of a group on Orca way back in 2005-06. So good for you, mate. Fantastic. How lovely to hear from him. Alex, I happen to agree with both of his uh, key points in that, by the way. I think that he's spot on with that. Obviously, he knows a bit about management. Oh, weren't they spectacularly articulated as well? Mm, using the yeah. text speak. And uh, yeah, he really knows what he's talking about. I mean, we've sat here debating the tiredness issue most of tonight for a start. Yeah. So. But uh, interesting what he says about assistance and stuff. Because like JK, I've Yes, well, I will be following you on uh, Twitter if I'm not already, uh, Vinod. So thanks for that. Hope you're well. Right, last email of the evening goes to the lovely Andy Ike, And uh, I know Andy's from the States. So um, what was that wonderful uh, slogan the Yanks had uh, during the election in the 50s when Ike Eisenhower won? They hit badges with, I like Ike. So, uh, I, in, in true uh, 50s American election style, Andy, I like Ike too. So, there you go. Right, he says, Hi, Chidge. Thanks to you and the gang for the great content, as always. Uh, got to listen to the Love Sports show on my flight over to London and the Monday night fancast on the train down from Manchester, which I also checked out while over on your side of the pond. Uh, what an atmosphere at Manchester, which... Uh, sorry, what an atmosphere at the bridge on Wednesday. Seeing us get an essential three points was a sublime experience for my first match at SW6. Wow, what a match to make your first, mate. Fantastic. Fa- uh, firstly, thanks for the excellent recommendation on the Victoria Pub before the Cup final. My group of friends and I loved the vibe, and the other supporters we met there were welcoming and in good spirits. We ended up actually going and meeting Chris Axon in his cr- and his crew at the Fountains Abbey back up close to the tube station for a pint before heading over to Wembley. It's too bad about the result and the Kepper incident, uh, which will undoubtedly overshadow our performance, but was a very, but I was very proud of the boys for their fighting spirit and was glad to see Sarri show some flexibility with the game plan and subs. The narrative from the media between the cup final and the Spurs match was all about Kepper, how player power in the dressing room was running rampant and how our demise was forthcoming. What a surprise. Uh... Before the Spurs match, I was hoping that Sarri, as a good manager should do, use all of the negative media attention as a rallying cry for the team, similar to the siege mentality Mourinho would deploy, which made him such a great motivator for the critical moments of the season early in his career. We hit up the cock. Strange expression, but I'll take it. We hit up the cock before the match against Spurs and hung out in the back garden. Bummed we we didn't get to see you and buy a few pints. We ended up going down to Simmons for a few more before the match, so it's possible we may have just missed you. Oh well, hopefully next time. And sure enough, after a a hard-fought 90 minutes, the Blues pulled out three points from what was an absolute must-win against one of our top rivals. Obviously it's early days, and we have a long way to go in the fight for the top four between now and the end of the season, but the players showed the same fighting spirit against Spurs as they did Sunday in the cup final, and I'm really hoping the team have finally turned a corner. Let's hope the boys are up for it against Fulham again on Sunday and the rest of the season. Win or lose, up the Blues. Andy, uh, I've already... Uh, that, that was sent to me uh, on Patreon, uh, which I plug every week, uh, but and I've already responded to Andy personally, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry I didn't meet you as well, mate. There were quite a few. I mean, I didn't see Brian from Chelsea Chicago. I didn't see Josh. 
from uh, LA, the lovely Josh Bannister. And of course, I didn't meet up with you either uh, because I was, I was too ill to get up to London on Wednesday. So I missed the game, which is very unlike me. But uh, I was not a well boy, still not feeling too great now, as you could probably hear. But Andy, I hope there's a next time. You must let me know when you're coming over again and we will, we will down a few pints and talk about Chelsea, I promise. Right. Goodness gracious me. Time for a bit more pluggery. Uh, if I can make my way... Uh... By the way, Alex, I didn't talk to you about the, 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 the uh, City uh, Cup final. Did, where were you on the day? <laughs> on the effing roof. On the roof? Yeah, yeah, row 40 of the upper tier. Thanks, Chelsea. That's what you get for buying the first tickets available. So, uh, yeah, we had a great time up there. Okay, well, nothing, uh, and uh, it was uh, very distant from all the action. Well, we, we had uh, cheap tickets or cheaper tickets, and we were kind of five rows from the front of the upper tier, but yeah. it wasn't bad behind the goal, so it was all right. Anyway, I, you just heard me mention Patreon, so if you don't know what that is, um, but if you you know if you like what we do, it's very simple. If you like what we do, uh, then you can simply just become a Chelsea fancast patron which means you can help us cover the running costs of doing all the shows that we do uh, so that we can carry on doing them, basically. Uh, look, there's no pressure. I mean, I, I kind of look at it a bit like, uh, you know, Dave charging for the fanzine. He, he charges only a pound for a fanzine. You know, you could do something similar for the fan cast. But when you go to Patreon, you can choose what you donate, whatever you want. No pressure, as little or as much as you want. Um, and uh, basically all you have to do is go to www.patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast and sign up there. But there's a nice little community uh, gathering there, and I think it's a good way, you know, if you want to get hold of me, because, uh, you know, I don't always see all the Twitter and Facebook messages. Facebook particularly I'm bad at. Uh, so uh, you can message me on there, and I do pick it up because I get notifications uh, and also, I like to break kind of news to you lot first, and then occasionally we have special things to share with you. Uh, I think I'm thinking of something very special at the moment, uh, which is which I will, will will announce when I've got them. So you'll have to keep your powder dry on that, but you'll love it, okay? When I announce that. Uh, so there we go. So join in the fun on Patreon. It's great stuff. There's another thing actually. Somebody mentioned the other day, other week. I mentioned this last week actually about maybe doing a WhatsApp group for match days. Uh, which I I think is a, not a bad idea, although the, the thought of my phone pinging every two seconds fills me with night sweats, which is what will happen. But I'm thinking maybe the Patreon group might be a really good vehicle for that because I should be able to get into that on a match day and uh, we can chat during the match and I can post photographs and videos and whatever, you know, so we could do that. I'm open to offers and suggestions. In fact, if there are any suggestions you want to make about the show, what we do, things you want to hear, let me know on Patreon. That simple. Right. Uh, now, down to the serious business, Chelsea Supporters Trust. Uh, you know, if you want to get your voice heard by the club, join the trust. It's free to join up to be a member. If you want a nice shiny badge, and if you want to be able to vote in the elections and attend the meetings, then you need to pay five quid a year for that. Uh, and you can do so by signing up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com, uh, which means you can, as I said, vote in the elections, uh, come to the meetings and any other events that we do, and uh, get your voice heard. Follow them on Twitter at Trust. Uh, now, if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners, who, of course, own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim it is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club will remain playing football at Stamford Bridge forever. Uh, to find out how to buy a share, email info at chelseapitchowners.com or, che- or check out the uh, official Chelsea website, chelseafc.com 
forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners or follow them on Twitter at pitch owners. And you heard me mentioning uh, DJ and CFC UK a minute ago. Uh, The new one, I believe, is now out. Uh, so if you want a copy, uh, the next time you can get it is the Wolves match on Sunday when you can get it at the stall, which is opposite Fulham Broadway Tube. Or uh, if you can't get it there, you should go there. You should go and say hello to Marco and the various reprobates who hang around there. Uh, or you can get it from any of the sellers on a match day, home or away. Uh, they're dotted around the Fulham Road uh, on a match day. And of course, if you can't do that, you can subscribe and you can get it uh, in person uh, or digitally by going to sub- uh, online at cfcuk.net. If you're in the USA, you can also get hold of a, a proper copy, but you need to go to at CFCUKUSA on Twitter or contact Dan Lundberg at DLundberg underscore. Right. Goodness gracious me. Uh, that's all we've got time for tonight. My voice is just about holding. Uh, we'll be back next Monday, uh, the 11th of March, uh, talking all about the fallout from the matches against Dinamo Kiev and uh, Wolves on the Sunday. Uh, I'll be joined by Jonathan and the return of Joe Tweedy. So that should be fun. Uh, don't forget to tune into the Chelsea Fancast on Love Sport Radio this Friday uh, between 7 o'clock and 9pm. Uh, I'll be on it, obviously, and so will Jonathan. And uh, we have a new presenter called Johnny Burrow. And uh, we'll be looking back at the match against Dinamo Kiev on Thursday. And, of course, we'll be looking ahead to the Wolves match on Sunday and anything else, Chelsea, that I or Jonathan choose to talk about. But uh, what's lovely about that, and I'm really delighted that... Uh, who phoned up on Friday, Jonathan? It was Mark... Yannick, there. oh, you weren't there. Well, you know, it's well, Mark and Yannick uh, and uh, Alan. Yes, Aussie signed my broken leg. Phoned us up, so you missed that, J.K. It's a shame, it's a treat. So there we go. No, do phone up, phone up, join in the show, debate with us live. It's great fun. That's the whole point of doing a radio show. The number's oh two oh eight seventy twenty five five eight, and you can get Love Sport on five five eight AM or on all the usual digital channels or radio player, tune in or Love Sport Radio dot com. Um, and by the way, uh, we should say, shouldn't we, Jonathan and Alex, a massive, massive, massive thank you to Aaron Paul and Paddy Birmingham for their support of the Chelsea Fancast on Love Sport for the last year. Uh, because sadly, uh, they've been let go and they will no longer be uh, presenting and producing it, uh, which is a great shame because we've, we've become great mates over the last year, even though, that, even, the, even though Aaron is a dirty man and so is Paddy, in fact. Uh, but they've been brilliant uh, and they've actually handled, uh, you know, difficult for them when you're dealing with a stroppy diva like me, but they've actually handled us quite sensitively. And I, I for one, appreciate that. They've been great, haven't they, Jonathan? We'll miss yeah. them. Oh, hugely. I'll be interested to see what angle the show takes from now. I don't think there'll be any singing along to... Uh, oh, mate, it ain't death. changing. Yeah. It would not, oh, it's it, not... It won't be changing, will it? Okay. It's not changing, mate. Okay. It's not changing. And why is it not changing? Because you're in charge. Got it in one. Hey. Uh, same as it ever was, mate. Same as it ever was. But, uh, yeah, you know, real shame. But uh, out of my hands, I'm afraid. But there you go. Um, now, uh, as you all know, the sh- that show, as well as all, all of the shows we do, they're all available as podcasts. Uh, and you can get them on ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, and all good podcast distributors and some shit ones. So there you go. Uh, now, Mark Barfoot, the lovely Mark Barfoot, uh, has mentioned, uh, when's the Kerry Dixon show back, Chidge? Yeah, it's a good question, that, Mark. I mean, I've been horribly busy on Thursdays, which is when we tend to do them, as has Kerry. And I'll tell you what's really scuppered it. It's the fact that we're in the bloody, we're in the bloody Europa Cup because the most ideal day to do 
the Kerry Dixon show is is really either a Wednesday when I'm far too busy or a Thursday when I'm usually less busy, apart from when we're, I've got to get up for a game. So uh, it's too late to do it on a Friday, really. Uh, and I don't like the idea of doing a show on a Thursday just before the game. So that, that's kind of screwed us up, really, Mark. But don't worry, he's still around. What I'm hoping to do, actually, by the way, people, is to get him on as a guest on one of our Love Sport radio shows coming up. Uh, so we can get him on there for two hours, face-to-face. That'll be kind of make up for the fact that Kerry and I have been rubbish and not doing enough shows this year. But he's still well, he's still all right, uh, and he's, there's, there's no axe to grind. He'd love to do them as much as I would, it's just that we've been busy. And uh, a few people saying they're missing Aaron. I saw Alan May score. We'll miss Aaron, a good foil for the fancast crew, I agree. A uh, big Dean Indian says, hunk of man love. There's no big more. Indian hunk of man love. Yeah, Dean Mears says, "Yeah, proper shame." I mean, basically, they're just making this happens. Uh, Jonathan and I will tell you easily. This happens all the time on radio and TV. You know, it's worse than football management. They always make changes, whether it's for costs or because some pillock thinks that it can be done a different way. I'm afraid it's an occupational hazard. Uh, but they'll be fine. They'll get back up on their feet. Uh, and uh, Johnny will be fine too because I will keep him in order. That is my promise to you, dear listeners. Right. Uh, okay. You can follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chid, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, and of course, the wonderful Alex at CFCGWLB. Don't forget to check out our website and particularly read Dean Mears' blogs because he's been asking me to say that all night. Uh, Many thanks to all of the bloggers, of course, for the content you put up during the week. But most of all, uh, thank you to the lovely people in Mixler tonight. Loads of you in here, as always. Great to see you in here. It's been great fun. Uh, But, of course, the show would not be the show without the lovely Alex Churchill. No, it wouldn't. (laughs) So there. I'm sorry. Zoning out because I'm still trying to figure out the title. Can you please explain it for the dumbasses? Okay, right. Everybody was claiming. Good point, thank you, Alex. Everybody was complaining about the wind, not least uh, Jurgen Klopp. Uh, and of course, it was very windy and rainy in Fulham on Sunday. And the reason it was windy and rainy in Fulham on Sunday was, of course, we had uh, the storm, Storm Freya. Of course. Right? And of course, Freya got transmuted into Freyed, as in frayed. Because my nerves were frayed after watching the match. Got it. There we go. What? What? She's a goddess as well, Freya, isn't she, Chidge? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I can't well, remember the of what. But it'd be great if she was the goddess of wind. Yeah, well, you learn something every day. Uh, Jonathan and Alex. I mean, Alex, brilliant having you on the show. Thank you so much, Willow. It's brilliant having you on. Really enjoyed it. And uh, Jonathan, you old, you old, you old thespie, absolutely fantastic having you uh, on the show as always. Looking forward to meeting you on again on Friday because we missed you last Friday. Yeah, thank you. I shall be there. It'll be an interesting to see. Uh, so we say what show and everybody. Thanks for ringing in on Friday. Ring in again, please, because it really makes the show having you ring in. So good stuff. And do you know what? The secret is the best thing about when you ring in, it completely norses up my running order, which I spend <laughs> such a lot of time preparing in the day. But I'm such a, a, a magnanimous chap that I don't mind because I, I, like just, I just like talking about Chelsea. So if you found, And I like talking to you lot about Chelsea. That's the point. So as Jonathan says, please give us a call. Right, we've got to go. Uh, I'm going to go and be ill somewhere for the next week. Uh, thanks for listening, though, you guys. Really appreciate it. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. Up the Chelsea!
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.